Welcome back to Mrs. King's Chronicles, a podcast for the 80s television hit Scarecrow Mrs. King. I'm Taya Johnston, and I'm joined by my very good friends, Lexi Fema and Jen Peterson. Unfortunately, Miranda Thomas isn't able to join us this time, but uh, we will be covering season three's The Triumvirate. So The Triumvirate aired February 10th, 1986. This episode is number 19 in our new order for season three. The director for this episode was James Fargo, who we have talked about before, as he also directed Flight to Freedom and Rock to See the Wizard. I'm sure it was mentioned before, but I think it's pretty cool that he was the assistant director for the movie Jaws. Groundbreaking work there, I'm sure. And the writer was Robert Balak, who's been the director for several SMK episodes. This is his fifth one and his final. He also wrote Utopia Now, Delirious on Arrival, Ship of Spies, and Double Agent, which are some of my favorite episodes. So, And this one is also one of my favorite episodes. Since a triumvirate is a regime of three powerful individuals, I'll start with those in my guest stars list. So the first one is Gerald Falcon, who was played by Michael Cavanaugh. Michael was born in 1942 in New York, and he's been acting since 1976. And he started on a TV series called The Streets of San Francisco. And he is still acting today in a series called Smartphone Theater. Since 1976, he's racked up quite a list of movie and TV credits, including soap operas such as The Young and the Restless and Santa Barbara as well as many action shows where he usually plays police officers, government agents, and military types. TV series includes Dallas, Charlie's Angels, although after Kate left, Chips, The A-Team, Matt Houston, Airwolf, Kenny and Lacey, and of course Hunter I have to mention, MacGyver, Matlock, L.A. Law, and even a revival of Dark Shadows in the early 1990s. The later series included 24, Bones, Monk, and Without a Trace. But Hunter fans like myself will always remember him as Hunter and McCall's first police captain, causing a bunch of angst for those two. And he was in the pilot of the very first Hunter episode. So he also worked on several other movie projects, including several Clint Eastwood films, such as The Enforcer. So that's pretty cool as well. The second... Of the three is Carl Eagles, who is played by Stephen Elliott. We may have discussed Stephen before as he acted in season one's Weekend. Stephen was born in 1918 in New York City and he started acting in 1949. Uh, he's been in a lot of TV series starting in the 1950s all the way through until he stopped acting. I think in 1999, he passed away in 2005 in Los Angeles. TV series to note include many 1950s shows that I am not familiar with, but those included Hands of Mystery, Rocky King, Detective, Captive Video, and Video Rangers, and also As the World Turns. Later series, he was in City of Angels, The Bionic Women, Six Million Dollar Man, The Rockford Files, and also How the West Was Won with Bruce. His credit is extended all the way through, but most of his success came after he turned 50 as an older actor, uh, and he also played in Beverly Hills Cop, the movie Beverly Hills Cop, and author. His last project was on the TV series Chicago Hope in 1999. So the third of the three was Kat Sawyer as herself, apparently, because she isn't named as a character in the actors list. Are you talking about the third member, the woman? She played Webster. It's from the script. Oh, okay, because it's not 
anywhere else, and I didn't look at the script, so um, she was born in 1952 and started acting in 1972. She had solo roles in many TV series, but they're more uh, one-part roles. She's probably both known for Heart to Heart, Simon and Simon, um, and a movie called Yes Man with Jim Carrey in 2008. She's still acting today in a TV series called Interrogation. So another guest star I want to talk about is Jordan Christopher, who played Ren Jeppard, King Cobra. Jordan was born in 1940 in Ohio, and oddly enough, he was a musician. I, I guess I shouldn't say oddly enough, but his rock band, The Wild Ones, were the first to record the song Wild Thing, which is a pretty popular song now, written by Chip Taylor. No way, that's cool. Yeah, it is cool. But unfortunately, he didn't get all the recognition and eventually became a multi-million dollar seller for another band, The Trogs. And it was eventually adopted by Jimi Hendrix, probably the most famous rendition. He only acted in 15 projects starting in 1966. His largest role is probably a movie he did with Jack Lemmon and Julianne Andrews, which I think would be really cool to work with those guys, in a movie called That's Life in 1986. Um, we'll also see him again in season four of season, uh, Mission of Gold. Unfortunately, the SNK episodes were his last acting credits, uh, and he passed away in 1996 at the young age of 55, which is kind of a bummer. Wow, that is young. Oh, that's really young. The last one I'll talk about is Mark Sawyer, who played Lance Dorn the computer genius, and he was the first innocent who lost his life to those three power individuals. He has 15 acting credits from 1983 to 1999, and he just had various roles on different series such as Cheers, Alice, Doogie Howser, MD, and Newhart. He also did several voices for several video games in the early 1990s, which I think might be fun, including one called Math Blaster for... Those t- kids out there that want to learn math. It's notable that his bio identifies SNK as one of the series that he is best known for. So he played a very small role. He's best known for SNK. Those are all the guest stars. In this episode, a substantial overpayment on Amanda's paycheck drives her and Lee to uncover a group of rogue agents focused on vigilante justice. We do have a script for this episode. We also on a rare moment, I do have the story outline for this episode as well. And it's written by uh, Robert Belak. And it's from November 27th in 1985. And it's about a 10 page document. And it's very thorough. And honestly, it's pretty darn close to what we got. So it's pretty good when it's only 10 page, not even 10 pages of information. And it's sticks oh it's nine pages and it sticks right to right to the story I mean it's his idea was pretty much the script you know what I mean obviously no dialogue is in there but it was pretty pretty darn good no major differences at all but it was funny like certain things like the king woman knows the access code to their wet file and god knows what else discover she's discovered (laughs) like different things that normally you wouldn't see in the script you know like Mm -hmm. god knows this (laughs) I like him as a writer. He does a good job. Yeah, I, I do. So, I do uh, tend to like uh, what he does. Yeah. So Kate must have liked it too. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Right. <laughs> so that was fun. And then the script um, doesn't have a date on it. So I don't have the date uh, for it. But there are some differences. So I'll bring those up as they come up. So this episode opens and it almost looks like something out of Star Wars, like the ice planet kind of thing. It's like all cold and Swissy, Swissy looking. <laughs> so this is set in Bern, Switzerland. And the, uh, obviously it's uh, just shelved. Uh, footage. And then uh, we see a newspaper with 
gosh, I mean, they really spent a lot of uh, page room on these guys, but uh, it talks about spies being exchanged, Krakauer freed by the U.S. So Krakauer is this bad guy. Um, He's a a hitman and he had to get traded in order for them to get a, a U.S. school teacher. And so it pulls back. And the person sitting there is the man that's in the picture, cocky and very happy with himself. So he is in Switzerland and there's a doodlebug, a blue one. Mm-hmm. And this is actually filmed on the WB lot. We've seen this quite a lot, but they've obviously made it look more European uh, for this shot. But this is that little uh, roundabout area that they have on, on the lot with a lot of uh, trees and bushes <laughs> helping to hide things. Yeah. So as you guys notice, when he first sits down, there's no rose. And then there's a rose. And he's so weak because he picks it up and then gets hit by a truck. <laughs> it's kind of sad. The waiter is the one who's putting all the roses around all the tables. Because in the script, he it mentions that the waiter brings uh, starts putting out roses on all the tables. And then when Krakauer takes the rose, the waiter gives him a nasty look like, what the hell, dude? Why are you doing that? And then he sees that Krakauer is kind of a badass. And he kind of like just kind of is like okay never mind you can have the rose you know kind you of it. you, it's just it, it actually spells it out like that like the guy is supposed to be like okay never mind and then move yeah. on and that's funny yeah it was interesting i mean i thought i was kind of cruel that he's happy smelling the flowers <laughs> yeah but then, he's a now. hit man jen he's a hit man it's bad he's Even bad he's a bad guy <laughs> okay you think he was uh getting a uh, seeking redemption you know like he's trying to get redemption and he's seeking it right before he's about to bite it and what a horrible way to die man you're gonna get killed by a bunch of pilsner (laughs) if you're gonna go with pilsner man you want to be drinking it to you know to your death not like getting crushed by kegs of beer and they could have made him look meaner or something i would feel better about it yeah but in the script, they really lay it on that, you know, half the time they like build things up and then they have to take it out because of timing for, uh, for the episode, but they definitely, he's a bad, bad man. <laughs> he's a bad, bad man. They really build it up in the script so that you don't like him, but he's, he's definitely okay. not they good. They didn't do that here, like, but like, so that it feels justified. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, so okay. they build it up in the script like this guy's a hitman, he's really bad, he's he's done horrible things, he's, you know, mm-hmm. very smug. They they talk about him being smug sitting there and then taking the flower and the waiter, the nice waiter's like looking at him like, "What are you doing? You can't just take that, you know." And then he like looks yeah. at the waiter like he's going to kill him and he's like, "Okay, never mind." You know, everything's very he's a bad guy. He's going to get what he deserves kind of thing. Okay. You know? But they don't tell you that, you know, they don't build that up in the actual episode. You know, it's just a slam yeah. bam, thank you ma'am, literally. Yeah. Well, he should have taken the roads from a cute little girl. <laughs> and he got it by drug. <laughs> he should have taken it from her and then taken her cone and ice cream cone and thrown it on the ground too. And then we would have really right. hated him. Yeah. Okay. So obviously this is a hit and run, a purposeful hit and run. The man that has a little cap over his head, that's Ren Jeopard. And he's also a hit man. So I guess, uh, how do you... 
Like, I thought you'd get professional courtesy that another hitman wouldn't take you out, you know? <laughs> but apparently that isn't the case in this. When money is involved, it doesn't really I matter. Uh, the ethics go out the window as long as the payment's on time, I guess. I guess so. <laughs> but I have to say, that's an interesting way to take somebody out if you're a hitman. It's, it, it seems complicated. It's very <laughs> complicated, and it, you don't know if that's going to hit him. I mean, he could have jumped out of the way. I mean, would that yep. crush him necessarily? You know what I mean? Like, it's such a random but they had to make it look like an accident i get but why not just have it like look like a drunk driver or something like that you know it just seems so it seems very poetic for sure but also kind of lame <laughs> and it pretty much guarantees a witness like no one can dispute it yeah. like, he was just walking in the truck you know and there were all yeah. these people they came like right to his thing so it definitely like allays any suspicion that it was like a, a hit you know right. it was uh it looks totally unplanned, which is how the best are executed, I guess. I don't mm-hmm. know. From one hitman to another. Yeah. Jeez. I don't know how he came up with that plan, though. <laughs> I'm going to drive a truck and dump a bunch of beer cans on him. Yeah. Supposedly, he's a Turkish driver and fearing consequences he fled but this guy Ren he actually leaves and he's in Austria hiding which if I have to hide somewhere I would pick Austria too it's beautiful (laughs) he actually Ren looks at the picture and just to make sure that he's got the right guy that he's going to take out the right guy and then he comes barreling around and has Krakauer and in his sight and the beer just comes flying at him that's gotta be some heavy beer because only a few of those fell out not all of them fell out so and then all the little looky loos are coming to see what's going on and and then somebody's like filming like it looks like a home movie I know. But it's like the quality is crystal clear. Like yeah. my I take worse iPhone videos than that, you know, like person filming. You, know? you are um, not kidding. I am horrible about that. <laughs> oh, where's their head? I've chopped their heads off. Right. So they're trying to pull the beer off of them, and then we see someone's watching this on a like like I said, a home video, and there's a gentleman and he's standing in front of people. And we don't really see the other two too much in this whole episode. But this is Faulkner telling the triumvirate group that Krakauer's been killed at 1407 burn time and that their hitman has fleed to uh, to Austria and they've ruled in an accident. And so their job is done and they talk about issuing uh, the payment to the the hitman job well done they're good moving on kind of messed up yeah and there's no connection to any of them and we don't see any of their faces really it's very dark in in there and they're kind of in a warehouse um it's in the script it says it's a cement factory and then something's very interesting so we see a picture of washington you see the the mall the reflecting pool and the monument uh washington monument and everything and it's clearly winter clearly like late winter maybe early early spring maybe february right and then they they give you a switch to the agency and it is sunshiny there's green leaves everywhere everything's lush and beautiful and you even hear little birds chirping you're not supposed to pick up on that it's like wait a minute (laughs) is it winter or is it it summer come on pick one (laughs) I mean, at 
least pick one, you know, they like all over the place. Sometimes they have coats on, sometimes they they have like just shirts on and no coats at all. It's like, come on, pick something and stick with it. Continuity people. So we're at the agency. Do we like Francine's hair? She's got those weird curls in it. Um... I do like it. I really like those like little curls. I think it's like a cute little 80s hairstyle with yeah. like the banana clip keeping it all up top and it's like a little bit on her forehead. I also uh-huh. love her dress. I do I like, like the, the dress. Floral with the navy and the white mm-hmm. and like pop red jewelry. Very patriotic. Hell yeah. Um, I didn't even think of the patriotic <laughs> aspect of it. More than Francine's outfit. Amanda with that flannel with that skirt. Oh, that's cute. I love that. Yeah. That, like, the black and the red. Today, a flannel tucked into like a... Like like a lady skirt it's like mm-hmm. super super cute that is cute it's it's um like a juxtaposition of flannel casual with more dressy it's yeah. it's really cool like she's a you know she was doing like her morning chores and i was like oh shoot i gotta go to work let me just start on a skirt real quick throw <laughs> yeah. my hair down and i'm, I'm out the door <laughs> i know she wouldn't do that but like in my mind that's what it could have been yeah it's really cute i do like the blue dress though i like the navy blue dress I, I think her hair is cute. It's, uh, and her makeup's really, you know, it's very vivid. Uh, Francine's I'm talking about. Yeah. It's very vivid and the curls are a little crazy. It's like a little too yeah. much for me, but it's cute. It's fun. I like her hair up like that. I, I do too. Too curly. It's too curly. It, That's what I was thinking. Because it looks kind of, it looks kind of fake. Like she spent a lot of time pulling it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little too, too done, but I do, uh, I think she looks cute overall. Yeah. I like her dress and stuff. Yeah. yeah. But I do. I love Amanda looks so cute in this whole episode. Like really just really pretty and soft. And, and I do love that black and, and uh, red flannel with the black dresses or black skirts. Yeah. Super cute. And then the guys are in their drabby old brown suits. <laughs> <laughs> Billy's is kind of like a grayish compared to, to Lee's brown drabby. But it's still, mm, you know. Yeah. The, the ladies the ladies spark it up for sure so amanda comes in and they're kind of like yeah what is it you know like we're in the middle of something here and she's like oh it's about my pacer and he's like oh well didn't you get it and she goes oh no i got it francine goes well you know they do take out taxes dear it's like come on she's not a moron she knows about uncle sam taking taxes out right and uh they're like oh well if they give you a little bit more just chalk it up to you know just aggravation and you know leave it at that and she goes oh no it's a little bit more that and they're like what maybe it's overtime she goes a hundred thousand dollars and all their eyes bug out of their heads <laughs> and then she shows us on the camera there so have you guys ever gotten a windfall like that accidental oh man <laughs> not, that no. not that day but no never hmm. I, I wish i, I is either. there somewhere we can request that <laughs> I haven't even won the yeah. lottery or anything like that. So. If, if we can, I'm putting it into my payroll processor right now, Kaya. So we just know when that's uh, processed. Not happening, my dear. You and I would have to go to jail. We'd have to go to jail, my friend. And if we're doing, if we're going to jail, we're going to jail for more than a hundred thousand. <laughs> we got to make it worth it, man. So we can retire on a on a deserted island. Right. <laughs> Oh, Great! Funny. Now this is going to be called conspiracy. 
<laughs> conspiracy to commit embezzlement yes i love this so now we're at it looks like a payroll line which this is hilarious that they would have to make them do this but they're all standing in line and amanda of course is at the end whenever i'm in a really long line i'm always the last one in line like no one ever comes up behind me like i'm always the last one that's how it feels it definitely it totally does good. i like how they really rub it in with that giant book that you yeah. have to look through to yeah. like, try to figure it out and he's gonna take forever no but i always pick the wrong line the wrong oh yeah the wrong yeah whatever line it is i pick the wrong one yeah lane does that my husband does that all the time he'll pick he'll uh, he'll go which one should we go in he'll say which one should we go in and i'll i'll pick it and then he'll go in the other one and then it's always the other one would have been faster and it's like "Hmm, hmm, told (laughs) you but i love I, i do love how it was more of a realistic thing where, where he's like, are you still in line? She goes, yes, I am at the end of the line because no one ever comes to me behind me at the end of the line. You know, she's having the same feelings like all of us always have too. Yep. This always happens. You get stuck and nobody, you always feel so lonely. Like you're the biggest loser. <laughs> and you're always in a hurry too. Yes. Like oh way. yeah. Always. Did you guys keep an eye on the lady that's in front of Amanda? She's like rolling her eyes. That would have been such a fun, like, okay, you're going to be an extra and you're going to be like the annoyed person. She's hilarious in there. She just sits there and rolls her eyes the whole time. And it's so funny. The blonde lady looks like she's really into having a, she's really having a powwow with that guy. 438. She is just like going to town (laughs) the conversation with him. And then he just turns around and like ignores her. My kids don't understand that, like, this is my life. Like, fighting with insurance companies, money, trying to get my money back, trying to get it corrected. Mm-hmm. How much time does that take, you guys? It takes a long time, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. wrong. I get billed for the wrong thing. It's a painful part of life. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> this, this lady in front of them, though, is totally listening to their conversation the whole time. <laughs> Yeah, she's like responding to you know what they're saying, and it's just it's kind of funny. She just keeps looking back and kind of like she rolls her eyes and then flares her nostrils. <laughs> it's so funny. Really selling that extra. Piece. She's totally selling that. Well, to be fair, in those kind of lines, though, I, I mean, I'm like mad at everyone. Yeah, you know, I like know. You know, like I, I'm, like, I'm like, I just want you all to be quiet. I don't want to be here right now. So if anyone's talking and like being annoying, like I, I would probably have RBF real bad too. Especially <laughs> that's hilarious. Well, it seems like the 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 first guy that's in line has finally gotten his stuff, and then they're all like, oh, and they start moving, and then he goes, no, no, this isn't right. And it's like, oh, so then you have to, you're still back in line because you've already removed him. Mm-hmm. You've already like, okay, I'm, there's only five people now left in front of me, and now it's oh, right. now it's back to six. You know, Lee comes up and he's like, you're still here, and she's she's like, yes, I am, and he's like, well, there's a faster way. She's like, I am not going to break in front of these people. He's like, this is going to take forever. She goes, no, it's not. See, look, you see, and he goes, finally, he goes thank you and he goes no this is still not right (laughs) they're all like uh he goes come on i know a fella (laughs) and then the lady looks behind him like how dare you guys leave (laughs) now she's the last one in line so now we're we're at a trailer park and they're at lance dorn's office supposedly so he's somebody who is like a hacker and now you know he would be a hacker nowadays but he is paid by the agency to try and hack into their system and then give them fixes on how to make it more secure but he does everything from his mobile home he's apparently known lee forever and they're all big chums but we've never heard of the guy before so as always 
Uh, he's got all these friends that no one ever knows. Again, it's supposedly winter, according to what we saw at the opener. And he's in shorts and a, and a like a Bermuda top. <laughs> Sitting out on his lawn chair. Liam, a main man, what it is. <laughs> and what it shall be. So Amanda's kind of like holding his arm like she's afraid of the guy. I'd be cautious too. He seems kind of normal for most of the people that he bring, Lee brings <laughs> her to though, for sure. True. So he explains that he's broken into their system and he gave him a, a, a patch to fix it. And then Lee's explaining what I just explained. Lance doesn't read the room and he's like, hey, dig it. I got into the ticket counter for Shaka Khan. It's like, okay, dude. And then he's like, he goes, Anna accessed a new fraternity bulletin board with over a hundred beautiful coeds at Maryland. Cross-referenced by hair, eyes, and measurements. Lisa is like, dude, shut up, man. <laughs> like, you're killing me. Right. It's like, ew, dude, that's gross. Lee has Amanda hand uh, Lance the check. And he's like, what, do you want me to ideas on how to spend it or what? <laughs> and she's like, that's $100,000. He goes, well, yeah, you got a good gig. So now we learn that Amanda is a fourth level GSA. Like I remember my dad worked, uh, my dad was a postmaster uh, and he worked for obviously the government. And so he had like a GS something, uh, G level is what I don't remember how high it went, but it went pretty high, like in the high teens or something like that. What level they are for civilians. That's all I know on that part. Fourth level GSA with only a confidential security clearance. That check has to be a mistake. And he's like, what, you want me to cover it up for you? And she's like, I want to give it back. He goes, why don't you just endorse it? The look she gives him, like, are you kidding me with this guy? He's like, come on, Lance. He goes, all right, but I'll need my mainframe. In the uh, film version, she's like, oh, do we have to go back to the office? You know, just nonchalantly. But in the script, she's like, sighs. And she's like, do we have to go back to the office now? (laughs) Kind of like really annoyed that they would have to go make a trip back, that they kind of wasted their time. And uh, they're like, no. He goes, no, I just have to kick in the generator. Oh, and in the script, she's very impressed with his setup. Kind of state of the art back in the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a green screen. It's our nightmare, isn't it, Jen? I used to have to work on something <laughs> like that at one point. Definitely. In the early 90s, for sure. So he's explaining, and this is kind of important, he's explaining that he's trying to eliminate paper from his life. Like everything's on, you know, on the computer. I was about to say online. Not online yet, but uh, that everything on the computer and he only has a small little couple pieces of paper that he shows them. And one of them's a bananagram, which is something that uh, Amanda's mother plays, of course. In the film version, he asks, oh, do you play? And she says, no, but my mother does. But in the script, he goes, I've tried to eliminate all paper from my life. This is what's left. Shopping list, a few hot phone numbers, and the bananagram. You play? And Amanda, surprised at the question, says, oh, no, I'm not clever enough. My mother tries every week. Oh, my gosh. How is she not clever enough? <laughs> so does this... And Donnie, Donnie's the one that does, like, own hair and stuff, too. Yeah. Like the, the writer clearly doesn't remember that episode. <laughs> Good one. Does the script ever give you the answer to the bananagram? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Dang it. But I, I do know it's not onion soup. <laughs> I know, but we never find out. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we don't know what it is, though, do we? We'll never know. The other thing I noticed about this um, hacker guy, what was his name? I forget it. Lance Dorn. Lance, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, he's kind of living the, like, I wouldn't say millennial dream, but, like, a lot of the, you know, millennial and Gen Z people yeah. are all about, like, 
the tiny the houses, yeah. like the converted van life, especially right now during the pandemic. Lance, you know, he's like a minimalist to the extreme. Like he's got his cool little boombox, his banana gram, his uh, crazy wardrobe and his little RV. And he just does what he wants. He works <laughs> remotely in an era where you didn't really do that. So kudos to Lance. He was like the pioneer of this whole movement that's been going on for like the last five or so years. <laughs> You're to- totally right. This time. <laughs> yes. He wants to live off the grid. One right. thing I was looking through here while you were just talking and I, I just found something that was really cute. Well, it was like ridiculous. So in the last scene where she's standing in front and they, they're standing in line talking, finally mm-hmm. in the script, it's different. So she actually gets to the front of the line. He goes, you've been waiting all this time. She goes, yes. Ever notice how it is with, it is with long lines? You're always at the end. I feel a lot better if just one person was behind me. Lee says, there's an easier way to do this, you know. She says, no, I don't know. It doesn't matter anyway. I'm almost and then two people ahead of Amanda finish. She steps to the window smiling. And Amanda says, hello, I'm Amanda King. I'm afraid there's a mistake and the clerk inside unceremoniously rolls a shutter down over the window a back at clock is attached oh hands God. hands fixed to 130 amanda's instantly steamed she knocks on the shutter excuse me i've been waiting hey they don't even treat you like this at the phone company <laughs> lee says that is so rude lee says it won't do you any good this is your this is your federal government at work she goes or not and he says here's what i do <laughs> Make a bunch of extra holes in it and go ahead and deposit it. The computer will go crazy. That's the kind of stunt you'll, you'd pull. Not me. This is my paycheck, Lee. I need it. I don't need trouble with my bank. He goes, okay, I've got another idea. Uh, leads Amanda along the corridor. And then they go to Lance's place. <laughs> it was just funny. In the script, though, they originally had him, uh, his last name be Minor. Lance Minor instead of Dorn. <clears throat> and then later on, you're ready to like s- just moan in the script they go oh, no. we have a minor problem <laughs> oh wow <laughs> i know exactly i was like oh seriously Pretty but hurt. they obviously they changed it thank goodness yeah. anyways um so getting back to the actual film version i just i just thought that was like so like ridiculous like that somebody would be that rude to like yes. shut the thing right in front of your face like really who does that seriously rude <laughs> Power trip. I don't think anybody would really do. I would hope people wouldn't do that. That'd be so rude. Ugh. Anyways. Mm-hmm. Uh, so back to the to the film version. Uh, he shows the script and we do get to see it. It's clearly like his little jotted out notes. It's got peanut butter and and he's crossed off names, Sally and, and stuff like that. It's just that's all he has that in the, the onion soup uh, bananagram. And mm-hmm. uh, and. Diet soda, bread, paper, towels, I think. And then it's like just like random scribblings. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, uh, and so this is what he's been reduced to. So we we see this because later we're going to see it. Uh, it's going to play into it, obviously. Yeah. So he mentions that he thought he had it right. Onion soup, he said, but it's not right. So Amanda hears that and just kind of puts it in the back of her head. So he pulls up Amanda's information and um, they find that Amanda was given a check that was supposed to be written to a codename of King. It was supposed to be sent to the Bahamas and instead she got the check instead. So Amanda, her pay for February 6th of 1986 uh, was $297.91. 
Ouch. Wow. And I think you had to pay taxes on that. I, Whereas, like, the $100,000. Yeah. You're yeah. It all. Exactly. Exactly. Tax What's up free. with that? No state. Yeah. But it does look like she, she donated $10 to the United Way. <laughs> Like it looked like it looked oh, like that's true. I see that. it looks like ten dollars went to the United Way like they were doing a, a deposit for it. That's so cute. <laughs> they do do that now, but uh, I didn't think they did it back way back then. That's kind of cool. It's interesting they put that in there. I know it's it is interesting. I assume that's what that is. I don't know what else it would be. Uh, it looked like it to me. Yeah. Anyways, it's kind of funny. Like three hundred dollars she got. I hope that's a week check and, and like not uh, um uh. You know, every two weeks or a month or something. My goodness. Right. She, it, she got it on her grocery day. So how often does she do groceries shopping? Do we know? No. Is it every week? Every other week? It's at least every other week. So yeah, she can go a whole month on one shopping trip. No. Yeah. But I really hope that's a weekly pay. I do too. <laughs> <laughs> what would that be? Okay. So she was part-time, right? So yeah. let's just, let's just do a little quick, uh, I'm using a calculator since I don't trust my math. So if she makes, that's that was what was after taxes. We'll add 30% to that, right? What was the amount, Taya? What was the original amount? Two ninety-seven ninety-one. And this is 1986? Mm-hmm. Well, she's being paid on the 6th, so you'd think that would be weekly, wouldn't you? Yeah, so, so like you'd, first or you'd probably figure she's made like three eighty-eight. we'll say, okay, at, before taxes, okay? Divided by, let's say, 20 hours a week. So she was getting paid $19 an hour. I don't think, she was probably not working that many hours. <laughs> I th- but it was less than that. She was probably working less than 20 hours is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 297.91 in 1986 is worth 708.01 today. So $708.01 in today's money. Okay. That's what I would That think. seems pretty reasonable. Like 40 hours, like so it would be 40 hours. So she does 20 hours in a two-week period. So 40 hours for, for both. And like 708, that's like pretty reasonable. Because 708 full-time, uh, 708 uh, for 52 weeks is like $36,000-ish. So well, if she so was working... Well, 708 every two weeks. Right. So, so we that... would do it times 24 or 26 probably because it's every 26. So 26 times 708, $18,000. Yeah, I could see that. Wow, they could have paid her a lot more. <laughs> That's rude. Yeah, especially, <laughs> you know, if she was just uh, doing errands and things like that and um, typing and stuff like yeah. Sure. But she's risking her freaking life, man. Yeah. <laughs> Risking your life. Yeah, yeah. Like, what the heck? Anyways, yeah. that's interesting, though. Two ninety-seven ninety-one. Yeah. Yeah. The poor hitman. That's what he did. Yeah. Oh, I bet you he was not happy. <laughs> three hundred dollars. Thank you very much. Expecting $100,000 and he gets $300 for killing a guy. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Clearly, they messed up and they gave the check to the wrong person. Uh, and but now they've got to find out like how is this check written because it's on a, a account that's n- not even active. It's a, a dead account. So how could that even happen? Is what they're asking. Uh, Lance is kind of interested. He's wants to know. He wants to dive in and kind of dig in and see what's going on. And they let him. But it's funny because. <laughs> They go to leave and he's like, yeah, let me let me play around. And she's like, uh, yeah, uh like, give me the check back, dude. <laughs> she doesn't trust him at all. <laughs> and then I love how he he writes down the phone number for him to call. He's like, call this number, you know, when you find something. He goes, OK. And then uh, she's like, I, I kind of need the check. 
And he goes, um, okay. He goes, hasta la bye-bye. <laughs> he goes, I trust you, really. <laughs> he might just drive away with it in his motorhome. Yeah, right? <laughs> well, he couldn't do anything with it, though. Yeah, true. I love how he's like, she goes, are you sure he can do this? And he goes, he goes, Lance Dorn broke into the Soviet Embassy Super Bowl lottery. He goes, I bet you he calls you tonight. She goes, you gave him my phone number? <laughs> he immediately gets in there and he's able to access this wet operations file. It's 666, the devil's number, of course. And it was closed on 10-13-67. And so he's trying to figure out what the, uh, what the password is to get in there. But as he's doing that, Falcon is at his office uh, at the agency and He's seeing that someone's accessing it and he looks to see and he can see it's Lance Dorn. Now, he knows that Lance is paid to try and uh, get into their system. So it doesn't worry him so much. He does call Eagles and he's like, hey, this could be harmless. He goes, we don't want them testing our security at all, do we? And he's like, no, sir. (laughs) The guy's just like a spineless little turkey. But he knows now that someone's onto them and they're looking into it. So the alert's been put out there. So now they're going to be, let it be known that they're out there looking for them. And so now those people are going to be on alert now, the triumvirate people. Now we're at Amanda's house and Amanda's reading kind of a, I've been here on this update on her class reunion that's coming up. And she's, this is how I am. If I wanted to keep up with certain people, I would keep up with certain people, which I do. And then everybody else, I really don't give a damn about, you know, I mean, good for them, you know, whatever they're doing. But I just I don't need to go spend an evening like listening to people I haven't seen in, you know, (laughs) years, you know, so I get why she doesn't want to go. Have either of you gone? To yours? I kind of regret it a little bit. I, I have not been to one. And that's because I haven't either. Our organizers have been horrible. Oh. Um, ours are pretty good. To be the president of our class was supposed to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they really didn't did do it or did do a good job at all. So oh, I'm no. kind of sad about that because I just never went. Plus, it was far away. Tucson. Arizona, oh, yeah, that's there. true. And it always landed, in, my kids are going back to school, like in the fall. So it's just, but it's kind of sad. I don't know. I would have like to at least maybe go to the first one. Yeah. Or something just to catch up with people. I've had no interest in going back. Lexi, will you have what, your five years sometime soon or? I have, honey. <laughs> Our 10 year, well, they were actually planning it, I think, for last summer or around Thanksgiving. But obviously with the pandemic, they oh. pushed it to this year. So they're planning it. Um, I'm in the group like of the Facebook thing, mm-hmm, the invite, mm-hmm. but mainly just because I'm curious. But I'm already friends on Facebook with anyone who I care to like. Check That's what at. I mean. Yeah, um, exactly. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I just like I don't plan to go. Julia doesn't plan to go. I'm undecided. I don't really like everyone that I liked in high school that I would want to reconnect with. I still talk to. Yeah. No, like, uh, totally. No That's I'm how like, I am. Oh, I wonder how they're doing. I wish I could talk with them again. Uh, like, if I want to know something, like, I'll just look on Facebook. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. I'm not really. Well, I, I don't plan to go. At yeah. This point. Unless something changes, I don't plan to be there. At this point, too, like, I'm so old, I need some sort of key to identify people. <laughs> <laughs> like, who are you? You know Yeah, I, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, I would need, need my yearbook and 
a description of them, except they would have to have their old high school picture or something. I'm the same way. I don't even know, like, people in my class will friend, you know, try and friend request, and I'm like, I don't even know who this is, but then they're, they're, they're like, friends with 200 of my other class members, so I'm like, oh, they must have gone to school with me, but I don't know who this is. Mm-hmm. I'm, in a very, I'm in a very shot in that area, I think. If I hadn't seen them in that log, I don't remember them. I, I, I will say, because I'm... Uh, old um now that my 30th is supposed to be yes 30 lexi um my 30th (laughs) is supposed to be uh this summer i think because i graduated in 1991 oh okay yeah so yeah it would be my 30th oh my god yeah i was 17 when i i uh graduated so yeah yeah that's right 30 oh my god (laughs) that boggles my mind you know what it's a little depressing is that our Facebook group for the reunion has like a deaths. We do too. <laughs> we ours does too. We've I lost like that. a couple already. Oh no, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Am I that old that? Yep, that we are, Jen. We are. <laughs> how people died. Yep. And when they died, and mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, this is kind of sad. It's a it's horrible, but yeah, no number thirty. Oh my god, that just hits me in my stomach. Like, oh <laughs> dear lord. 30. Yeah, I'm going to be 50 this year, so. Wow. Yeah, my husband's going to be 50, and uh, yesterday was a month from his birthday, so. Less than a month, though. I keep teasing him like an AARP commercial comes on. I'm like, oh, honey, look, you can get that soon. And he goes, he just gives me the finger <laughs> in a sly, somehow in a sly way, you know, but I can definitely see what he's doing. Amanda's talking about, uh, you know, some of her classmates and she's like being pretty frank. She's like, I don't really care. They're going to act like they haven't gotten any older and that they've done all these wonderful things and or put on any weight and <laughs> And uh, Dottie's trying to talk her into it. And she's like, they're supposed to be fun. She goes, you get to see your old friends. She goes, these people weren't all my friends. I mean, some of them were my friends, but some of them I didn't even know. She's like, well, this gives you a chance to see what they've been doing. And she goes, I'm sure they've been doing average things. And she's like, oh, no, that one kid, uh, Neil. And she goes, Drexler? She goes, yeah. And she goes, oh, Drexler, Neil, Harvard. Peace Corps, law school, millionaire. And she goes, yeah, he sailed to New Guinea to search for a lost tribe of headhunters. And daddy goes, and he wrote a bestseller. He was on, I think she said he was on Merv Griffin. I saw him on Merv. Yep. When they showed Dottie filling out her bananagram, she wrote the name Drexler on the piece of paper. Really? Yeah. Like, I don't know if it was Beverly trying to remember the kid, the guy's name. Hmm. It's right on there. It says Drexler. (laughs) What else does it say? This was something else too. Hold on. There's some other things written on there too. It's like Drexler, Drexler, Neil Drexler. And there's something. Old friends. It's like she wrote like little notes for her script or something. (laughs) Old friends age or ago. I can't tell what that one says. That's so funny. I've never noticed that before. There's like little notes that they left on there for. Anyways, Dottie wants her to invite him over for dinner. She likes to, always wants to invite everybody over for dinner. Yeah, Drexler is written on there like four or five times. Four times yeah, at least. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. What's the one like right after a bananagram? It says, oh, that's the age or... Oh, yeah, I see what you're saying about the age. Up at the top, um, next right yeah. next to Bananagram. Isn't that yeah. funny? I never noticed that before. Yeah. It says Drexler everywhere. What does it say next to Bananagram? Uh, it says something about old friends. Old friends again or something? Yeah, old, yeah, maybe old friends again. Maybe I, it said I thought it was a, a go or again or age or something. 
It's AG something. So yeah, again, would fit in there too. Underneath where it says onion soup, does that say first? Um, onion soup. Oh yeah, now I see what you're saying. Uh, I don't know. I have a hard time reading person when I quit day, but this is like super hard. I know. I wonder what the idea was to put all of that on there. It's just kind of funny. Oh, and then something else. It says fast or something. Right when she lifts her hands, you can see it says something underneath her hand, but I can't tell what it says. Yeah. Looks like it starts with a B, maybe. I'm going to try one more time. I thought it started with an F. Are you talking about right below the banana? No, we're talking Um, right where her hand is. Like her thumb. Like where her thumb ends. There's like a, like another, some, another writing. But when she lifts up her hand right before it finishes, there's something else there. I don't want to go back. It says, it says Drexler. It says Drexler again. Okay. It said it like five times on there, Drexler. (laughs) There's drugs under, and under that, I do not know. It's like, it looks like, (laughs) no, no. What about like, so there's the grand prize 10,000 there. Then it says Drexler, like right underneath the speech bubble like thing. And then there's something right underneath that. That looks like it starts with a B. Yeah. I don't know what that is. It looks like angler or. Is that an A or B? I don't know. It doesn't look like I feel like, I feel like, I, I, I feel like we're all looking at like ink plots right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the only thing I can make out is Drexler three times. Yeah. I don't know anything else. I certainly don't know what's below the third Drexler. You're yeah, saying right uh, under, right underneath where it says uh, the $10,000 grand prize. It says Drexler. It says Drexler. And then. Right. Argue, Angler? argue, argue, A R G U E. It looks like ER, though. It looks like ER. Yeah. I thought it said burglar at first, but that doesn't really make sense. No. What do you guys think that says underneath the onion soup, underneath the banana that's got onion soup written in it? I mean, to me, it looks like first or fatal or. Faint. <laughs> faint. Um, yeah, it could I be faint. Know. Anyways, that's it so funny. That's so funny that that she had little notes on there, though. Yeah. This will not be the last time that we talk about something that's written on notes, though, in this episode. So we'll be talking about that soon. Dottie's like, oh, I got it. I got it. It's onion soup. And Amanda goes, no, that's not right. And she goes, how do you know? You've never played this. She goes, you're right. I don't know. (laughs) How would she explain it? You know, that's funny. She's like, this is worth $10,000. She goes, I'm wrong. You're right. (laughs) So somebody knocks at the door and Amanda goes to it and it's Ren Jeppard. And he's pretending to be Brown from IFF. And he gives her the codes. She spouts them off pretty well, though. He's like, counter. She goes, Diablo, clearance. And he goes, seven, bravo. And so he's got got something in the letter. I don't know what it is, but she's checked it. She's verified it. She's done all she's supposed to do. You know, she can't help it that the guy's like got, got it in with the uh, other people that are at the agency. Right. That know everything in the procedure. Yeah, exactly. And have the right sequence code sequences and all that stuff but she does give him her check i do like her hair up i love when she has her hair on the, the sides up like that it looks so cute yeah you can really see her face when yeah it's like that. yeah she's having some good hair days for sure yeah yeah she's making up for season two let's just uh yeah. put that out there <laughs> yeah so he leaves her place and goes into the car where you know across the street no one can ever see anybody out in that uh, across the street in the cars and uh faulkner's there and he's like, any problems? He goes, nope, got it. We're all set. And so now they have one other thing to clear up. Uh, this is where the, in the script they said, we have one more minor problem. <laughs> and we are at Lance's place, if you want to call it that. And uh, he's written down 
the password to get into 666 file and it's guardian but then at the same time Faulkner's calling him and and tells him he needs to meet him you know it's kind of cloak and dagger type thing and uh so he pulls up and both Faulkner and Jeopard are there he's like what's going on you know why all the cloak and dagger you made sure no one knows you're here he goes yep no one knows I'm here <laughs> bad move dude he goes you're the problem and he goes and I'm the solution <laughs> And then knocks him out with a karate chop. And then throws some alcohol down his throat as if he's going to swallow that. He's unconscious. He can't swallow it. They just send this poor little defenseless jeep and the man in it uh, down what is not there. There's not that big giant hill there, of course. (laughs) They're in that same little area that they've been using all season. And what is this? It's just around the pond there, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's just a little pond there. Yeah, Yeah. on the lot. But like, how many vehicles have died off this damn cliff for the show? (laughs) I know, it's true. Oh my gosh. I mean, I can think of like at least four. I think probably more than that, though. (laughs) So now we're at the back at the cement factory. And now Jeopard's there. And he's got he's in front of the firing squad. I'm sure he's not used to this side. The triumvirate's there and you can't see them very well and um they're asking him why he he did this kill it's one of their own they're upset they didn't vote and he said it was authorized i was asked he goes you can take all the votes you want i get paid to kill people and he goes they go who gave you the assignment and he goes gerald falcon she goes you can leave so uh falcon's probably pissing himself right now (laughs) and as soon as he leaves he's like i had to move i couldn't i couldn't wait there was no time for a vote falcon had i guess got some balls i i mean obviously not real big ones because he like is cowering now and he's like uh cowering for making that decision but he ordered jeopard to to do the killing and the other members are not happy now lee coming by to see lance now it's definitely different in the script it's not Lee going to Lance's place by himself. It's Lee and Amanda. And so it's a little different because in the film version, we see that Mrs. Snardly is all over Lee and like, you know, coming on to him, like as if she ever had a chance with him. (laughs) And, uh, but in the script, it's uh, definitely different with them going to him. And they've kind of explained why they're even there. In the script, uh, Lee's Corvette pulls into the parking area. Amanda and Lee get out and walk toward Lance's trailer. Lee says, I can't figure out why Lance didn't meet us at the agency, like he said. He's usually more reliable. And Amanda said, it wouldn't surprise me if the answer was female. And Lee says, probably. But I'm also curious. I'm also curious why they'd send someone to pick up your check after work hours. And then they uh, we angle on uh, Lance's motorhome. As they cross the trailer, Lee and Amanda are joined by Harriet P. Snidely, his landlady, and her killer Pekingese Rambo. Mrs. Snardly can't see too well. Well, this lady looks like she can see fine. <laughs> uh, she says, it's about time some police got here. I called over an hour ago. And Amanda says, oh, we're not. And then Lee motions to her to be quiet pointing to the door swinging ajar on Lance's motorhome. Something isn't right. Amanda continues, says, usually this late. And Lee says, "Uh, Mrs. She says, snardly. He goes, Lee moves to the door, fingers a broken door latch. He goes, would you mind going over it again, the reason you called? She says, sure, burglary. Pure and simple. Lee and Amanda exchange glances. He goes, mind if we go in? She goes, that's what they pay you for, ain't it? Lee nods, leads the woman inside. And then he asks, you know, do you know what, when this happened? She said, must've been before me and Rambo got back. That was at 12. And he goes, Rambo? And she points to the Pinkanese. 
And she says, my beagle. Okay, I'm confused. Is it a Pekingese or is it a beagle? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe she has two dogs. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, she says, I can tell you, this wouldn't have happened if he was here. He'd torn them apart. Lee and Amanda exchange another look. Lee then moves over to the computer table where several discs are scattered. He picks up a disc, boots up the computer. Nothing but snow on there. And then Lee says, looks like whoever was here magnetized his disc. And Amanda says, you mean everything's erased? And Lee nods, poking around some more. They didn't miss a thing. There's not even a scrap of paper left. This triggers a thought in Amanda. She reaches under the computer and pulls out the wrinkled paper Lance keeps under his computer. She wordlessly shows it to Lee, then uh, ducks it. It says ducks. uh, Ducks it into her purse. Mrs. Snardley doesn't uh, notice. And Lee says, do you know when Mr. Dorn is expected back? No, but I will tell you that i'm worried usually he usually tells me um when he'll be out all night oh he says we better get this back to billy see if we can find out what happened to lance so what we get is a little funnier it's this lady like throwing herself all over him telling him how she's so alone and scared and how she you know she sleeps alone like okay obvious miss obvious you know yeah and she's like hugging on his arm and he's just like oh god so do you think in the script she was supposed to be like an elderly lady yeah that's what it says that she can't see very well and yeah yeah, it it gave the um, description she was an older lady yeah it's like oh yeah they amped up the sex yeah they they kind of made her like um blanche Devereaux on golden girls you know Like sexy, you know, sex crazed. And I love at the end, he's like, try try drinking a warm glass of milk <laughs> to get to sleep. And she doesn't have a dog in this. She has a cat in this. Meow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cat's a sure sign. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's a crazy cat lady. <laughs> Is that what you're saying? Yeah. <laughs> well... In the film version, he Lee finds the scrap of paper and, uh, you know, we actually uh, see the bananagram and all that. And he takes it. He kind of makes sure no one's looking and he, he takes it with him. This bana- bananagram thing is bothering me because, one, that's a lot of money to <laughs> solve the bananagram. Yeah. And two, I right. think like, you should be able to solve it right now looking at this tree with the letters in it. So... Is it solvable? I mean, someone must, must have asked this question in like the SK world. I mean, seriously. Right. Well, one, that's a lot of money. $10,000 at <laughs> the time yeah. to solve a bananagram. And I often feel like looking at it, we should be able to solve it. Looking at the litters in the tree, right? I mean, come on. Has anyone solved it? Or is it solvable? I don't know if, I don't think we have enough information. Yeah, we do. You're just supposed to unscramble the letters in the tree and we know what the letters oh, are. Okay, well, I guess you could then. But if it's not onion soup, then I don't know what it would be. Well, that's a question. Now it's going to bother me. Okay, well, you figure that out and you let us um, know. The only other thing that it could be is upsoninin, a substance of blood serum making bacteria vulnerable to... Okay, so please tell me that you Googled those letters to see what it would make and you didn't know that off the top of your head. I'm reading a definition from Google. Of course I Googled. I typed in bananagram solver and typed in onions. Oh, I well, oh, that's hilarious. They would have had computers, I guess, but yeah. Matt, he's supposed to be like a genius at that stuff. Lexi, so somebody else already 
No, I, I literally typed in Bananagram Solver, and then I clicked on the first link, and then I typed in all the letters that say onion soup uh-huh. to see what other, like, words came about from it. And, and that's the only one. With that thing. Okay, what was it again? Opsoninin, which is the substance of blood serum. Wow. Um, making bacteria vulnerable to, to phagocytic action. But then it can't be that. So it's got to be onion soup. The only other thing it can be is that. <laughs> or or there's a three-letter word that is OOP, O-U-P, to bind with thread. Also OOP, O-O-P. <laughs> uh, wow. I'm going to get to this at a later time. but yeah. <laughs> you, you get back to us, Jen. <laughs> it just seems like, you know, it should be solvable. Yeah, um, no, I, I agree. That's weird. I mean, those are the only letters, right? And that, like, that we could see. Yeah, I mean, those are the letters that are in the tree. So, I mean, I'll check another silver just to see, but definitely a weird choice, I guess. Yeah, very odd. But I guess if it's worth ten grand, maybe it needs to be a harder word like that. Yeah, and, and they didn't have they didn't money. have Google back then, so they wouldn't be able to look it up that way. <laughs> <laughs> I feel really bad. They obviously woke up Francine from sleeping because she's in her pajamas when she comes in. She's in all that all white silky. She looks like she was she was in her jammies at home or something yes. like feeling really sexy at home. I would never wear that to work. What the hell? Yep. She looks uh, like she may have been entertaining a friend and got pulled in. Like, <laughs> <minute>. <laughs> Threw on her little matching robe, kind of, and yeah. just like, gotta head to work. <laughs> it reminds me a little of Amanda's pink. Yes, like yes, that's what I was thinking, Mama. too. Like Lexi's favorite episode. Yes. Oh, yes, Welcome to America. Welcome yes, to America, yes. Mr. Brand. Yeah. It's gotta be super comfortable, though. <laughs> okay with that. Going back to the Bananagram thing really quick, I, I checked a couple different sites, and that's the only like longer word that that will come through so i don't think it's including all the letters because there's one two three four five six seven eight nine and the longest letter word that comes up is a seven letter word with all those as long as it's not duplicate is the upsoninin so i don't i think it's an unsolvable bananagram because it's not even using all the letters wow not fair it needs to be solved but is onion soup using all the letters Technically, onion soup isn't a word on its own, and it would need a space. So I don't think there's enough spaces in the bananagram itself to accommodate it. That would fit the nine letters, but... They're totally screwing with us, man. Yeah, they're totally screwing with us. (laughs) Jen's not going to be able to sleep tonight now. (laughs) They didn't expect us to pause it back in the day and be like, hey, how do we solve this bananagram? They didn't think that we would notice that it's winter and summer at the same time and all these other things. <laughs> right. Okay, so we talked about Francine being in her jammy jams, but Kate looks so pretty in that pink, soft pink like that. And then her hair is up on the side. She looks so pretty. Yes, I agree. So Eagles is there. And I don't know how nobody recognizes him as being Armin from uh, Weekend. He was the one who was the bad guy there. Like, you should know this guy's a bad guy. He was a bad guy in the other episode. Yeah, how they how they just don't remember um, <laughs> yeah. characters, you know, like Joe Yeah, and, uh, Tucker. Yeah, he was the bad guy, and then he ended up being yeah. his ex-husband. Yeah, he was Glenn Tucker. Like. <laughs> I know he was Glenn Tucker, and now all of a sudden he's Joe King. Like, what the heck? Yeah. Maybe that's why they called him Joe King. Joking. 
I don't know. Maybe yep. Amanda Good, Francine, sleepy. Francine looks like she's in her jammies to me. At the very most, not something I would wear at work for sure. Right. Agree. So Eagles is there. He's apparently an old friend of Billy's, you know, they're old colleagues. And uh, he's in charge of one of the departments and, and he feels like he's laying it on like, oh, I feel so bad that this co- appears to be coming from my department and and all this. And, and then, oh, let's keep this down, you know, just between us because we don't know who we can trust. It's like, yeah, you're the snake, you little turkey. But they, they do confirm that uh, the file uh, was, they show the paper blown up. And it shows all the phone numbers and all that and names of women and phone numbers that they think he was dating. And then Guardian, they don't know what that one's from. And he said, everything on Lance's computer has been erased. So until we find him, he goes, if we find him. And then they, um, Carl and Francine come in. They don't have anybody named Brown. Obviously, the guy that came to pick up that check from Amanda was fake. And which he obviously knows. And, uh, and then he introduces himself to Amanda. He asks her, oh, is this somebody you could identify again? And then she says, unfortunately, oh, yes, sir, definitely. Like, oh, Amanda, they're going to come after you now. Yep, she said it to the wrong person. Yeah, exactly. And then Francine explains that they found on the register that uh, Dorn accessed the 666 file the night before he was killed. They don't know he's killed at this point, but in the script they do. So I'm kind of mixed up here. And Billy's like, what do you make of it, Carl? He goes, some sort of embezzlement ring. He goes... I feel particularly bad because it seems to be coming from my one of my departments. He's like, no one's blaming you. It's like, oh, we will. Yep. All right. So then Lee and Amanda are, have been like searching on the microfiche uh, to try and find uh, this uh, 666 file. And they're back in the 60s looking. Lee's like, oh, my eyes are blurring. It's like, you're not even looking. She's looking. <laughs> now, they do find that they do find the microfiche that has it on there. And Lee says, no wonder it was closed. She goes, what are all those little symbols? Which when they show the screen, there aren't any little symbols. <laughs> uh, and he says, well, that's for wet operations. And he goes, some pretty heavy stuff, dirty tricks, even political assassinations. And she goes, the agency? He goes, no, I don't think we ever got that far. But, but in the 50s and 60s, they had their share of coup d'etats. Congress clamped down. And that's why I imagine 666 was closed. She goes, yeah, but I got a check written on it. And he goes, and Lance got into it and then disappeared right after. Now they're trying to piece us all together. What, you know, what he was looking into. They're piecing all this together. And Amanda, you know, clicks in Amanda. Well, this guardian thing wasn't there before. He goes, Lance was an original. You saw the way he worked. His mind was going 40 different directions at once. Girls, rock and roll, megabytes, girls. And she goes, bananagrams. He goes, yeah. She goes, he thought it was onion soup to that bananagram. And then he wrote the word guardian on the little piece of paper. Guardian has eight letters and all the agency that it's eight letters, but they needed more for onions, you know, for the bananagram. So it's not for the bananagram. And then Lee said, oh, well, the agency's passwords are all eight letters. So then she has a move over and she types in the 666 file, enters guardian as the password. Good, but bad. They get in, but Faulkner sees who's accessed it and it's got Amanda's code on it. So now they know that Amanda's been looking. Crap. Department civilian auxiliary. Is that a department? (laughs) So he locks her out. They're in. Supposedly they're in for a second and then they're locked out right away. But when Lee tells Billy later that he, they got in and they got a few, you know, a chance to look around for a little bit. And he said he took notes. That's what's kind of funny. But he says, he, you know, they got to look in there, but they really didn't. Lee and Amanda are looking for Billy and he's not in his office. And Francine, they asked Francine and Francine says that he's having tea with Dr. Smith. 
So it could be a little bit or it could be like tomorrow that they see him. So who knows? Isn't this the coat, Jen, isn't this the coat that you hate on him? The one that he's wearing? Yeah. Isn't that the one you hate? Yeah. Oh, I, I don't really like it, but I don't really hate it. Okay. But he wears it a lot. Yeah, like, he does. Like a lot. <laughs> so please, let's shake up the coats a little. <laughs> he it has so many out. coats too. It's crazy. Yeah, he really likes this one with the sort of like accents on the points there. Mm-hmm. I don't like uh, Francine's hair. It's It looks like a wig almost to me. It's down now with I, all the curls. It's just, I don't know. I think it's just so much. Yeah. It's too tight, like too stiff. Just a lot of hairspray. Like she can be like in a tornado or something. <laughs> that hair is not move. And it won't move. I know. I don't think any of their hair is going to move, but yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I like it better when it was up. When it was up on the mm-hmm. banana clip better than it looks like it just overpowers her face. No, I like it. I like big, like thick curls, like just like the the more curls, the better. I'm like a big fan of curly hair. So this is like my favorite look when it's just like big and poofy and fluffy and curly. I think it's beautiful. Okay. All right. To each their own, right? Mm-hmm. So Lee asks uh, Francine, when was the last time you heard of, of any kind of funds funding for wet operations? She goes, I haven't, not at this agency. We closed out all our political destabilization in the late 60s. And he's, at least says, Amanda and I accessed it, then got shut out. She goes, any idea who's involved? He goes, no, but obviously it's some kind of in-house link up. And so she says she'll get the janitors on it. So someone's going to be doing some research to find out. He goes, quiet is better than quick. That's something that Billy has told him before. It's so funny. So he tells her that if anything pops up, he'll call her, but just go ahead and, you know, take a break and uh, he'll let, he'll let her know. So she's, she's like, all right, well, I'll head out. And now she's going shopping for her reunion because apparently her mother's talked her into going to it now. He tells her good work on the bananagram. And then Francine goes, bananagram? (laughs) And rolls her eyes. (laughs) So then Billy comes back and this is what's kind of funny. So Lee's got this pad of paper. He's like, hey, we got into the file 666 and someone shut us out. But we had a little peek inside. And he says, I wrote down some of the things it looks like. uh, And he shows the paper and all this. He goes, I wrote down a few things. All that's written on the paper is King Cobra, King Cobra, King Cobra. I know, I saw that. Like, what, what the, the heck? Hell? <laughs> I, I mean, he was looking at different entries each time it said King Cobra, but I don't know. It's, it's like uh, that, it's like uh, Drexler, Neil Drexler, Neil Drexler, 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 yeah. Drexler. Like of all the, the camera shots to zoom in on, this is the one. It does kind of make him look like an idiot though to have. Yeah, it, it does. It's like that. I know, it does. Yeah, he's having a bad memory day for sure. Really, what I remember, King Cobra. Yeah, it's like uh, Dottie with Drexler. She's got to write everything down, his name, like eight times on the piece of paper, on the bananagram. <laughs> it is weird that they know that on the paper. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not even written in his handwriting because it's definitely a right-handed person that's wrote it. You can tell how it leans. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Anyway, so he says it's a record for check distributions around the world and specific places, dates, code names, and one in particular, King Cobra. He goes, King Cobra, the agency has him on the top 10 list international shooters. He goes, mm, number seven with a bullet. King Cobra hasn't been active for years. Someone's keeping him busy. He received at least three checks. What do we have on this guy? He says, nothing much, just a, a name, Ren Jeopard, no picture. So they're, they're finally p- piecing it together that it could be the same this Ren Jeopard could be the same guy that came to pick up the check from Amanda. And now Amanda knows what he looks like. And this guy knows that he, she knows what he looks like. Cause Carl Eagles probably said, yeah, she knows she can identify you. So 
Amanda's just kind of, you know, has signed her own death warrant, unfortunately. Right. Lee's finally realizing that, and then he's kind of like cringes, and he's like, oh, there's one other thing, Billy. He goes, we used Amanda's name to access 666. He goes, you what? He goes, I know, I know. It was, he goes, that makes her very hot, Scarecrow, to him at least. And then she says, what's going on? He Pull who in? And uh, they're like, Amanda. She goes, don't bother. She's she's shopping. He goes, what? She goes, for dress for her reunion. I sent her to shop, a shop called 60s R Us. And it looks like quite the happening place. It's like 60s. So apparently her reunions, she's supposed to dress up for the time that you graduated, I guess. So the guy's trying to sell her on some items uh, and she's not really interested in them. I'd love to go through this store. Like, I yeah, I bet. To just like <laughs> go through and look at all the things. And mm-hmm. I don't know if I'd like buy anything. I highly doubt the size would be as inclusive at a, as I need it to be. But uh, <laughs> that's a funny like, way just to it. like look through. I think that'd mm-hmm. be really cool. Why does a man pick such a boring dress? She didn't pick it. He handed it to her and said, hey, Grace Slick wore this. She's like, oh, that's not really what I was looking for and and then he's like try it on she goes all right thank you very much and then she goes to try it on in the script it's slightly different she sees Jeopard come in and then she goes oh I um, changed my mind and then she goes to hide in the dressing room so she can kind of get away and he won't see her hopefully and then she's in there trying it on and then kind of sneaks away but she in this in the film version she actually hears him talking and then looks out and sees who it is and now she's well aware who's there and why he's there and she's crawling underneath i bet you that floor was gross uh crawling underneath the prion places which conveniently they all have little cutouts so that she can get through underneath (laughs) without having to uh go in the out you know go outside of it that's a good point i didn't even notice that but so true (laughs) yeah because normally they're all shut they're closed but in this one it's obviously not he's like i'm looking for my girlfriend tall brunette he goes oh yeah she's in the back of the dressing room she'll be right out and then uh he's like trying to go back there and he goes oh brother you can't go back there and he takes his gun out and like knocks the guy out with it lane and i my husband and i were at uh uh, Victoria's Secret once and we were in there and uh you know just looking around and then you hear the you hear somebody knocking fitting rooms and you hear sir you can't be in there sir sir you, only one person oh, in there no. sir sir you need to come out of there sir you can't be in there with her <laughs> it was so oh funny. my gosh and then this couple comes out we're like oh snap it was so funny. That probably happens more than we know. I'm sure it didn't seem like it was the first time the the person that worked there for them to have to deal with it. You know, it was so funny though. And everybody's just looking at him like, "Oh, we know what you were doing there." Anyways, it reminded me of that minus the the shooting. <laughs> so Amanda hears him get knocked out, and then she. Uh, starts uh, crawling out from underneath there and at the same time Lee then pulls up out front thank goodness so she's crawling through and then Jeopard like oh pulls the uh, the the curtain back thinking it's her and it's some blonde and she's screaming <laughs> and then Lee comes in and then he shoots doesn't even look he just starts shooting Jeopard does and now they're hiding behind the clothes and everything and Amanda's trying to scooch out of there she's gonna end up getting shot Jeopard goes to shoot uh, and hits the mannequin and the, the plastic from the mannequin sprays Lee in the face so he can't chase after the guy which makes it nice and convenient because he gets to run away now in the script it's different though they actually capture him here in this in this uh shop and that's the the weird thing so they actually capture him and then all that happens uh later is because of the triumvirate people not 
Jetbird. So oh. yeah, it's a little a little different. That makes it different for people worse because they just do it on their own. Exactly. But now on this, they have Jetbird do most of the bad stuff. And then the last resort, then obviously, spoiler alert, the, the triumvirate people get their hands more, you know, more dirty than they already are. But in the script, yeah, they, um, Lee shoots Jeppard in the that store and then he's in the hospital from then on. So that was a little different too. Now we're at the park and now the whole triumvirate, which now there's, there's five of them there. And uh, they're all standing around chatting and watching Carl Eagle's grandson play soccer. They're trying to figure out what to do. Faulkner's trying to tell him, you know, that they need to get rid of Amanda. And he's like, no, I'm not getting rid of a, um, a mother of two. Carl is more going against it. And then Webster, the woman, she's like, no one here wants to be here, wants to be here when this comes home to roost to the CIA or NSA or DIA or state, right? And I, it didn't have to come to this. I'm on the inside. I know their every move. She's not a threat. Besides, we've changed the passwords. There's no possibilities that, possibility that Melrose or Stetson or anyone would trace King Cobra back to us. And so they're saying, you know, they're all trying to argue like, well, we got to get rid of her. It's like they just keep getting rid of one person and then they're like, okay, we have to get rid of this person now. They have already gotten rid of Lance. Now they have to get rid of Amanda. Then they're going to have to get rid of Lee. You know, then they're going to have to get rid of Billy and Francine. It's like, when does it end? When do you, when do you go from doing what you think is right to now you're just murderers, you know? Yes. And so that leads me to say, I am actually nominating the whole triumvirate. Oh, very cool. Specifically, Beryl Falcon for Vile Villains for our MKC Finest Awards. Mm -hmm. For a group that was formed to further justice and to right wrong, supposedly, they really are quick to kill off innocents when it threatens them and their exposure. Lance, Amanda, and like you said, Taya, where does it end? Like, yeah. at what point are, did, are they going to feel safe enough that they won't have to, like, continue killing innocent people to get mm-hmm. back to their business of, of righting those wrongs? So, yeah, definitely uh, my formal submission to the vile villain. <laughs> Very nice. I do like that one. I like that it's uh, more than uh, one person. It's like a group of them. Yes. Uh, it's it's hey, a triumvirate. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, I also want to point out that those guys, that group of five, some of them are with a bodyguard and... Yeah, I was wondering. But they were both, they were, those other two guys were sitting at the table when Falcon was uh, talking in the beginning. So that's why it, I don't, yeah, I was um, wondering. I don't know. So I think maybe the three are Falcon, um, Webster and Eagles. And Webster. Yeah. And then the other two, one's an additional hitman, I think, and one is a bodyguard, according to. Uh, MTV, but oh, okay. Maybe okay. Script, maybe the script goes into that in more detail. I don't remember it being. Uh, I don't remember seeing that, but I'll have. To, I'd have to look back. I don't remember seeing it though. But maybe they just didn't spell it out, which you know, no biggie. It's weird because the, the thread that sit in the shadows it does change. Uh, anyways, that's a that's a great uh, use of your vote, Lexi. Very smart. Thank you. Yes. Thanks. Falcon says we're all pragmatists here, and but Eagles is like, where does it end? We form this triumvirate. To right wrongs, not to kill our own. It's very simple, Carl. Either the king woman dies or it's the end of us. Okay, I know what I vote for. How about you guys? <laughs> mm-hmm, right. And then Carl says, we're not killers. And then the ball, the his grandson's ball goes over and he chases after it. And then Jeopard's there and holding on to him, like has his arms around him, like all 
Like he's being nice, but you know, he's not. It's it's interesting. I do like what he says here though, because he's, he's totally right. He's like, oh, you know, your Jeopard hears all, is hearing them. He goes, such a delicate morality. Your big offices and titles, clean hands, hire me. I'm 2,000 miles away. You can't smell the blood, but you're all killers. We told you our relationship is over, Eagle says. And he goes, sure. Mrs. King isn't your problem anyway. She's mine. That poor kid's like, what's going on, Grandpa? (laughs) He goes, she can recognize me and I can't afford that. So just tell me where you're keeping her. He goes, I'm not about to help you. Oh, I think you are because he's going to, he's threatening your little blonde, your little toe-headed friend there, (laughs) grandson there. This is what forces their hand uh, and uh, Eagles tells Falcon, handle him, you know, deal with him kind of thing. So that's how Jeopard gets the information on the safe house that they're about to put Amanda in. So now Billy's at the 60s R Us store and uh, he's explaining that they found uh, Lance's Jeep at the bottom of that dry bed. And uh, preliminary report obviously um, says he'd been drinking, uh, which any tox report's going to tell them he wasn't drinking at all. Um, but right now that's all it can go on. And, and Lee's like, no way. I don't buy it. Lance was a party boy. Sure. But he knew his limits. And, uh, now, you know, he's saying, well, if he was killed, Amanda, you're in trouble. (laughs) And that man that followed you, the man that came to your house, she goes, yes, sir. Absolutely. She goes, but I don't understand why he would kill Lance. And they're like, well, somebody's got a major gun for hire. And it's a lot more than just embezzlement. Billy said they comp- he compared all three of the check date, the checks that he received, and they all coincide with the the three agents that they've had, the three enemy agents that they've had to give back recently. I compared all three checks. King Cobra received each one after the death of Omar Kalim, Ilya Krakauer, and Sobar. And he's like, Sobar, I didn't know about him. And uh, he says, it's another enemy agent we had to let go. And he says, sounds to me, Billy, like some of our co-workers are taking U.S. policy into their own hands. So obviously they're they're finally realizing that we got some vigilante justice going on within the agency walls. They quickly send us over to the Cumberland. Now, the Cumberland for us up to this point has been the quaint little... Uh, hotel that we saw in Weekend, which also had Carl Eagles, the, the guy that played Carl Eagles in it. But now this Cumberland is much bigger, grander. Um, I've actually been to this and they've redone it and it is absolutely stunning. And they were having a wedding there at the time and it was amazing. And it was, we had drinks and everything. It was really fancy and nice there and huge, absolutely huge place. But now they're putting, they're putting Amanda up here and uh, she's, you know, she's saying, how long am I going to have to stay here? And they're saying, you know, just until they know that she's safe and uh, she won't be able to go home tonight. And she's like, oh, great. What am I going to tell my mother? <laughs> so this is a Cumberland. They make it look like it's under construction and not, uh, you know, being used um, as just as a cover so that they can keep people there as a safe house uh, and nobody's going to be the wiser to it. They come in and uh, they've got a, an agency checkpoint. You know, they take Scarecrow's gun and, and uh, get it through the the uh, metal detector and all that stuff. So, um, but Billy's explaining that uh, about five years ago, uh, they used this for a retreat and nobody was the wiser for it. They they host some of Europe, Europe's wealthiest uh, defectors. They were all quite comfortable without, without a complaint. She goes, oh, I'm sure I'll be fine. I'm just worried about mother and the boys. She goes, I'm going to need to get a story to get them out of there. He goes, I know it's short notice, but we'd feel more comfortable if you were here knowing Jeopard's out there. I love this scene. It's so sweet. I can't believe no one voted for this scene. 
So cute. I'm gonna be honest with you until you just mentioned it. I just watched it I'm a little bit ahead. I completely I don't ever remember like seeing this part. Like really? it was completely new to me. But it is very sweet. If I needed a cutest couple moment, I might consider taking it. Um because the way that she just like latches on his oh, hand, like so she plays that she's like so nervous and he like he like looks at her and he's like, Oh like oh you know, he does like his little lee face and he yes. grabs both of his. Like that's cute. It's like, that's so really cute. sweet. I, I like it, but I don't know. I think that when they're reading the magazine, oh yeah, it, that's it, super. Stuff, oh, it's, it's more natural. It's and, so uh, angst. There's so much um, sexual tension in that. Okay, so this scene when he grabs his gun and then he, as soon as he gets his gun, he like puts his hand back because he knows she, she, you know, he wants to grab her hand. And then they let go when she gets in the elevator. And then she doesn't look, but she just reaches her hand down and and grabs it. And you can almost see Kate smile, like just grin a little bit as the door is shutting. Just. Just the littlest bit on her right side. You can just see like a little bit like she's about to grin in there. Like she's kind of coming out of character a little bit. It's same to me. I don't know. I could be hmm. reading into that, but it did look like it to me. It was super cute. I love watching it. I do love that little moment though. It's super cute. And then he just kind of, like you said, Lex, he gives that little Lee look of, you know, yes. just like a little smug little look. It's so cute. Yes. Like, isn't she cute kind of thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe like a hair of a second. Like yeah. Kate. Like yes. I, I think maybe like at the very end. Yes. Like yes. I, I can see what you're saying. Just that. Just it's like a blip. Yeah. Like just. Blinking on this end. Yes. But just for a second, like just as they're and they're they're leaving the scene, you can see as the door shutting, she's like just smiling a little bit. It's so cute. Anyways, <laughs> Amanda is talking to Dottie. Well, don't we get any warning? I don't know, Mother. I guess termites just swarm when they want to swarm. Anyway, listen, the point is, the exterminator is going to come and put the tent over the house this afternoon so that he can put the poison gas in tomorrow. So I've already spoken to Aunt Edna, and she's expecting you and the boys tonight. You'll be comfortable. Aunt Edna? Yeah. All right, darling. I love you. Give the boys a big kiss for me, all right? I could just hit her like, wait a minute, she's getting rid of us, but where's she going? (laughs) Good question. Don't worry about that. <laughs> okay, and then, oh, this is such a sweet moment. Do you guys notice this? The they've got they did this on moonlighting. Uh, whenever they lit uh, Sybil Shepherd, they they use like a soft le- a softer lens on this one. Did you notice that? Well, now that you mentioned it, probably I didn't notice it at first. They used to do it a lot on moonlighting for Sybil Shepherd, and it looks like they do it in this particular scene. Uh, to me, it does. Uh, every time I see it, I'm like, yeah. Yeah, there's definitely a filter on there. Uh, it just softens it a lot more. And it's it's a very sweet, soft moment. It, it's kind of a rare moment when they are really, you know, being frank with each other. You know, they're they're like when she says, aren't you sick of this? Living like this, always having to do this. And, and they're having like a really honest moment. Not joke. There's no jokes. It's just them, just the two of them talking. In the script, they're talking about how she's in, they're in a cabin and not in this hotel. They're in a cabin. And Lee's saying, Amanda, that's the third time you've dusted that table. <laughs> She's like, oh, I guess I'm trying to get rid of some nervous energy. It's like, well, I bet you he has an idea for that, but never mind. And then that's when she says, he goes, it's going to be all right. And she goes, is it? Boy, don't you ever get tired of this? It was with the territory. No, that's what I mean. Don't you ever get tired of the territory? I mean, lately I feel like I can't even make any plans in advance anymore. I missed Philip's play when he was Rumpelstiltskin and... Looks like I may even miss Jamie's first open house at school. Yeah, I hear you. She does say I miss 
Philip's play when he was Rumpelstiltskin, but that was actually Jamie's play, not Philip's play in Reach for the Sky. Mm. And then she says, tomorrow is Jamie's first open house at school. How could it be his first open house? It's not like he's a um, kindergartner. Maybe it's for middle school or for the year or something. Oh, yeah, maybe, I guess. But this is how frazzled she is. She just doesn't remember what she's missing. <laughs> yeah, good point, Jen. <laughs> just like most, most moms. I'm missing something. Yeah, you know, you, you're like, if you're at work, you feel guilty for being at, not being at home. And when you're at home, you feel guilty for being at work. So now with this whole uh, pandemic thing, it's like I have guilt all the time because I'm at work and I'm at home at the, all the time. So I guess it doesn't yeah, matter. It's true. But she's trying to get to the point of, you know, don't you get sick of this? That, you know, we can never make plans. We're always missing things that are important to us. And he's like, I hear you, you know, this job's cost me my share of relationships. That's for sure. And she goes, well, why do you keep doing it? He goes, it's a dirty job, but someone has to do it. And she's like, come on. You know, she's, she wants him to be serious. And, and he's like, I'm, I'm trying to be serious. You know, it's, it's a job that someone has to do. And he says, and I do it quite well. I happen to do it well. And I love this part. And this is in the script too. He says, there's parts of it I don't like. And then he looks at her and he goes, and parts I like a lot. Oh, that just makes my stomach drop to my toes. So sweet. Did you guys get the sense? I mean, he's definitely talking about her, right? Uh, I didn't read that way at first, no. You didn't? No. What did you think he meant when he said it? He does have that face about him, but I just think the action and adventure and, you know. Hmm. He like gives her that look of... There's parts I like a lot. Like, like I like working with you a lot. How, how I took it. Or maybe how I wanted to take it, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, well, it did strike me as that, uh, at first at least. Maybe I'm biased. I don't know. <laughs> maybe you're jaded. Is that what you're saying? Not, not as into their relationship. Yeah, at this point. Um, maybe, but I don't know. I think Lee is um, an action adventurer. For sure. Um, he's, he's seeking that and you know, he's a very good spy and... Think he likes it. He likes all the, uh, you know, kind of also being the handsome spy. <laughs> what do you so, think, um, Lex? How did you read it? You've got more of a fresher, newer take on it. I don't know. I need to watch it again. Okay. I think. All right. So he's saying there's parts of it he likes, and there's uh, parts he doesn't like, and there's parts he likes a lot. And uh, he says, well, "Well, why do you do it? There's other part-time jobs that pay better than this." In the script, he doesn't add in the hell and all that stuff. He's like, "There, that'll pay a hell of a lot more than this." That I think he just added or maybe they added into the script later. But in the script, he gets up and paces and she just watches him. As Lee gets up and paces, Amanda looks at him. From her gaze, it's evident that he is a big part of the reasons why she does it. He turns back to her and he goes, well, and she goes, I I don't know. I guess I want the world to be a safer place for Jamie and Philip to grow up in. So it's kind of that, but what they don't tell us is is interesting too in the script. So hold on, Taya, you're thinking at what point he's she's he's alluding to her when he says that there's parts of it I don't like. He says, and he says. And there's parts of it I like a lot and looks at her very intensely. You know, he looks at her like, you know, and there's parts of it I like a lot. Like it's like I thought he was referring to the parts of him working with her because even she kind of smiles, on you know, on that. I feel like it's more of I feel like it's I don't know. I'm like this is like the third time I'm watching it now in a row, like to look at his facial expression. So I'm reading way too much into it. Um, I feel like she's feeling he's alluding to her, but I don't know that he. He is insinuating that it's her, but I happen to do it well. All right, well, I'm in my head, in my head, you guys can't come in because that's how I see it. <laughs> <laughs> he's a patient. He's a patient. He's a 
patriot too, as he states. He's serving. Oh, for sure, for sure. And so I think I don't. I don't know. I guess I read it that he was talking about those things. I guess I'm the romantic uh, out of us. <laughs> That's how I kind of. I've always seen it as that he's saying, you know. I guess I would have been looking in parts I like a lot. Like I would have been looking for more of that Lee look, like how he did in the elevator, versus just then he was just like casually talking and oh so i don't think it was casual like, at all I was thinking like well, yeah there are parts of it i like oh, i like working with lee but i can't like i can't picture lee like in his mind and verbally saying like what he's saying meaning spending time and working with amanda at least i don't know maybe i'm maybe i'm being cynical but i i didn't get that vibe at least initially i feel like she maybe is thinking that's what he meant but i don't think that's what he was trying to convey okay you guys are ruining this for me so i'm gonna have to clarify (laughs) this yeah and i don't even think she was interpreting it that way i didn't read that see okay when he when he says there are parts of it i don't like he looks over like to the side a little bit he says there are parts I don't like, and then he he looks at her and he goes, and there's parts of it, I, and he shakes his head like, and there's parts I I like a lot, and he smiles at her, and then she smiles at him. It's kind of that acknowledging without saying anything. It could be, but I also think because she's like, I'm trying to be serious, so like he's really sitting down and like looking at her in the face. It could just be that like they're having such like an intellect, like a like a deep conversation like they're looking at each other and they're kind of close to each other like I don't know if I was in that situation like looking at me and he's like talking to me and we're like staring I'd have to look away I'd have to break eye contact because I'm like even thinking <laughs> a little about too it intense now, like, I, would, I would lose my mind like she held eye contact a long time and I would not be able to do that <laughs> so I feel like for me it's just like she needed to like not be staring at his eyes because she would let him know in her face like wow I want to like just hop in that bed with this, you know, <laughs> beautiful guy. Um, and and he's not really thinking about that because she asked him a question about the job. And I think mean, that's what I'm thinking that she just needed a reprieve from like the intense stare down they were having to like, you know, not show her feelings, have them like come come to the forefront. But I feel like I'm also maybe putting myself in this situation <laughs> and knowing how I react. I'm like losing it right now. So just... Oh my goodness. I'm kind of sorry I asked a question now. You guys have ruined it for me. <laughs> um, I don't know. Bring like some legitimacy to you know their jobs and beyond the, them. I think I have to to say that yeah, I'm not reading that into it. And either side, <laughs> him or her. But later, when they look at each other with the magazines, yes. Oh, so a few them. hours later, it's okay, but not now. Okay, whatever. Yeah. They're having a serious conversation about the fact that like her life is in jeopardy and she's missing out on things and. This is laying the groundwork for that later scene, though. I don't know. I don't think he's saying, I do this job because of you right now. I think he's... No, I didn't say that. I was saying that he finds... That she's one of those things that he finds enjoyable in the job, is what I was trying to say. Hmm. Okay. Well, let's just leave it... Please do not beat this... Do not beat my dead horse anymore. It's dead. You've ruined it. I can't think about it anymore. 
It's fine. <laughs> in the script, it's a little different in the script. After this little section, Lee goes to the window and looks out. He says, it's getting dark. Why don't you get some rest? I'll take first watch. Amanda goes over to the window next to him. I'm not tired. Why don't you get some sleep? And he says, because it's my job to guard you. Why don't you go in there? And and she says, Lee, I'm not tired. Really, I'm too nervous and upset to sleep. He goes, why don't He goes, why do you always have to argue with me? She says, I'm not arguing with you. I'm just saying that since I can't get to sleep anyway, maybe you should be the one who uses the bed. He goes, fine. It's a double bed. We'll both go to sleep. How, how will that be? She, Amanda looks off at the double bed back at Lee, back at the bed. She goes, you better take the first watch. (laughs) She marches off toward the bedroom when Lee reacts to a noise outside. And Lee says, Amanda, get down. He pulls his gun, peeks out the window, then moves behind the door. So this is definitely different. And then he says, someone's coming. And then there's a knock uh, on the door. Amanda looks at Lee. Should she answer it? He shakes his head. No. Another moment. Doorknob turns. Lee pulls the door open, pistol uh, pointing at his intruder, and it's Francine. And then she goes, Francine! She goes, who'd you expect? Dorothy and Toto? And looking at Lee's gun, she says, or the Wicked Witch of the West? And Lee says, you're not due till morning. (laughs) And then it kind of goes into the recognition codes and things like that that we do get to see. But it was kind of a funny... That would have kind of been cute for like a little Stark introduced into it, but... Yeah, um... a little different, but yeah, it's a little more subtle that we actually get to see filmed. Yeah. So now this seems to be like a few hours later. It's dark now. They're they're both looking at magazines. Amanda's looking at today's collectibles and uh, Lee's staring at Amanda and then she looks over and then he pretends like he's not staring at her. And then he looks again. Yeah, this is what I was calling the cutest moment. It one. is cute. It's it For is me, it's because it feels so natural mm-hmm. and honest, you know, not, I don't know. It is sweet. Uh, there's, there's, um, you could you could almost say there's a triumvirate of like special little moments in this episode, you know, <laughs> like the one that we talked about uh, going to the elevator, then earlier them talking about, until, well, there was until you guys ruined it for me. But um, that last scene I was talking about, <laughs> I'm kidding. And then uh, this, this scene with the magazines of the him looking at her, her looking at him, pretending both of them pretending not to be, you know, staring at each other kind of thing. There's really some really cute moments in this this episode. Yeah, to me, this just seemed more like Amanda, like how she would handle her stresses. Mm-hmm. They would do the thing, and then she'd ask him to stay. That's sweet. Instead of the hand holding, but the hand holding's cute. It's just more, I don't know, not Amanda. I don't. Yeah, you're gonna say I'm wrong on that, but <laughs> you know, she's trying to be strong, strong, and she let her guard down later. Yeah, in the in the hotel room. You know what I mean? In this instance. So. Yeah. Well, I think, she, you know, yeah, she's nervous. They always hold hands, though. So it's like a natural thing for both of them really to do. So I don't think it's anything out of character or anything like that. And I think she's just, you know, got nervous energy to, to sh- kind of shake off. It's cute. She, he's like, why don't you go lay down? She's like, oh, I'm not tired. He goes, oh, okay, I can stay. She's like, okay, <laughs> that's sweet. And then, of course, anything fun, Francie's got to come and ruin it. <laughs> And uh, so she comes and says that um, she's not supposed to be there till morning. And she explains that Billy called her and said that uh, he needs to have Lee back at the agency. And so she's taking over for him. And then uh, he's like, well, were the recognition codes in in order? She says, yeah, they were. And he says, okay. And then he looks at Amanda like, "Mm, sorry, our night's kind of ruined. He says, see you later. And then tells them not uh, to make sure that they lock up after after he's gone. 
And then Francine, of course, has to say, well, isn't this quaint and cozy? <laughs> She's still in her pajamas. Do you see on the back, um, when, when Francine goes to shut the door, you can see... The vest. Yeah, the shell thing that she's wearing. It's like very... Mm-hmm. It's like almost like a bodice type thing. Yeah. I think they just had to wear that because... It would contrast so well with the blood later. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yep. The white. white. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Could be. And she's also all ready for a summer party. Like, you know, <laughs> night Lex. to day to night look. Lexi, that's funny. Good one. That's a lot of white. A <laughs> that lot. It, it's a <laughs> lot, a lot shininess, too. <laughs> Lee takes off and he's heading to the to the agency, but he calls Billy on the phone and and he's like, and that, by the way, that wasn't uh, Bruce coming coming out of the it wasn't Bruce coming out of the hotel entrance to the car. It's like this really tall and like skinny, skinny, skinny dude that came out. <laughs> it's not Bruce, but he keeps his head down, so we don't see. But we know. So the car takes off and then Lee's calling Billy and and, uh, he's like, you sound like you're coming in perfectly clear. He's like, what are you talking about? And then he explains that Francine uh, told him that uh, the phones were messed up. He's like, there's nothing wrong with our phones. He goes, I haven't talked to Francine all day. And then he's like, why aren't you with Amanda? Someone that sounded like you and who knew our recognition codes just. uh," And then he's like, I'm going back there. (laughs) So they finally realize they're pulling, which I would be offended if I were Francine like oh we're gonna put the woman there in charge so we don't have to worry about it like get the big bad guy off of there and then I can take the woman that's fine it's like that's not very nice and did that in this episode but then they made a woman a triumphant yeah that was good but this is bad yeah it's good that they made a woman a bad guy yeah for sure Jeopard's there and he's climbing the fence and he's gonna scale the wall and get into the and get into the place and and kill amanda and then lee calls francine and says get some help up there and explains that billy didn't call francine i just talked to billy he never called they're trying to shake us off amanda he goes you just sit tight i'm on my way she says okay amanda's like what's going on she goes nothing good i'm gonna call the security have some have them send up a guard but too late for that. Jeopard's on his way up. He's scaling the wall right now. He gets up on and he's up on the wall and then Lee's car pulls up and he runs in really fast to the hotel and then he sees Jeopard up there on the wall and shoots at him and then he goes flying into the room into the hotel room where the ladies are no one's answering so he must have uh taken care of the guards up there. Jeopard's in their room he starts shooting. Francine's obviously got her gun and she tells Amanda to to, to go get into the, the agency car and, and wait for her, get it started and wait for her. And so she takes off, gets out of there. And then as Francine is heading out, she's threw some shots at the guy, you know, shot some shots at the guy. And then she's taking off to go follow Amanda. And then the guy catches her in the leg um, as she's just about out the door. And she makes it out the door and then... That's when we get to see the blood, which again, we rarely get to see blood in in the show, especially one of the main characters, one of the reoccurring characters like that. Um, And then Jeopard sees Amanda and the hotel elevator door is just about to shut and he's going to shoot her right then. But the door shuts just um, where he misses her. Thank goodness. And uh, and then he takes off down the stairs and then she makes it outside, but no one's there. You can't see anybody. Um, but now Jeopard and Lee are in, uh, Lee's in pursuit of Jeopard now. And Amanda's making her way outside to the car. She passes Lee's car. She should have taken Lee's. Uh, and goes to the agency car. 
And the key's not there, of course. Mr. Eagles walks up and he's got the keys dangling in front of him. She's like, oh, good Mr. Eagles. And then he pulls the gun on her and she's like, oh, of course. Of course you're a bad guy. Why wouldn't you be a bad guy? (laughs) Now we've got uh, a major shootout in the hotel. It's getting very dinged up with all the shots being fired in in the walls. And Lee's just right behind Jeopard and they're, they're shooting. It looked like though when he busted through the, the hotel that he, Jeopard was shot right then. Did you guys get that sense too or no? I guess it's plausible, but I wasn't like left with the, like for sure he was shot. Okay. Because it doesn't seem like he's not like dragging his leg or, you know, pulling his arm. You know what I mean? It's not right. seeming like he's shot at this moment, but it looked like he was shot and that's what p- kind of propelled him into the room, but maybe not. So now Jeopard is gotten up the stairs and now is above Lee and Lee looks out because Jeopard accidentally hits one of the plotted plants there and it falls and then that that lets Lee know you know where he's at and then he hurries up and of course does his little uh somersault like he loves to do does the somersault and then rolls over and then looks up and shoots the guy and gets him in the chest somewhere because later we hear that he he lost a lung so he must have shot him in the lung they got Jeopard he's in the hospital now the Billy and Lee are at the agency and they're trying to figure out where Amanda is because she's not showing up anywhere. He says that uh, Francine's going to be fine. The bullet went right through her leg, didn't hit anything major, and she's going to be okay. She'll be on crutches for a, a while. Obviously, it looks like he's been up the whole night. Still looks good, but he's been up all night. And um, and he's asking, what about Jeopard? And Billy's saying, not so lucky. He lost a lung, some arteries. He could go in at any time. They got him over in isolation. He says, come on. He's the only one that knows where they've got Amanda, Billy. He goes, did you search the hotel? He goes, yeah, every inch of it. She didn't go back home and no one saw her come back here. So he's right to think that something bad happened because something did bad, bad did happen to her. And he said, Jeopard's a real pro. He goes, yeah, but right about now he's thinking about dying. That loosens a lot of tongues. <laughs> I love it. Billy goes, heard that. <laughs> Now, the other two triumvirate evil people have shown up now, and Eagle's already there with Amanda, and they've got her handcuffed uh, to the to the pipe there. In the script, she's not handcuffed, but in here she is, uh, in the actual film version. It's so funny, she's in this really dirty, nasty, concrete warehouse, and she's in this beautiful pink outfit and not a piece of dirt on her. <laughs> Yep. And then Carl is now, Mr. Eagles is now trying to explain away how she's just an unfortunate casualty. Casual. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Like she's an unfortunate casualty in all this. And she's like, oh, is that what Lance Dorn was? Is that what I'm going to be? You know, just kind of really laying it on thick. In the script, though, she really goes at him. Oh, another thing in the script, uh, they're in a cabin, right? And supposedly there's this shoot that, like, a, a, like a trap door kind of thing that they can, it's through the coffee table and um, they put Amanda in it and that's how she gets out. She goes in, (laughs) I swear to God, I'm not making this up. She goes into, (laughs) I swear, I swear. So like I said, remember uh, Falcon and Webster are the ones coming to kill Amanda in this because in the script because Jeopard's already been shot and he's in the hospital right so now Webster's saying if Desmond is still with her it'll be hard for the two of us to take them inside and Falcon says then we'll just have to force them out into the open he opens the tailgate of the 4x4 and reaches in and pulls out a M79 grenade launcher That doesn't seem uh, over the top. And then Amanda and Francine are still behind the couch waiting. Look, if Lee doesn't get here in time, there's a trap door under the coffee table. 
It leads to a tunnel that'll take you to the highway. We've got a backup car stashed there. She goes, I'll hold them off as long as I can. And Amanda says, Francine, I can't leave you. And Francine says, look, it's not me they're after. And this is my job, okay? Lee's on his way. I'm not about to let him walk into an ambush. They look at each other, a long moment, interrupted by breaking glass. A napalm grenade crashes through the window, exploding into a flame in the corner. As they react to it, another one bursts through the other window. Amanda grabs a blanket to beat down the flame when automatic weapon fire takes out the rest of the windows. Amanda, get down. Bullets take uh, rake through the cabin, taking out chunks of wall, shattering dishes and glasses, etc., and keeping Francine and Amanda pinned down. Francine says, the trap door. And Amanda says, I can't. She goes, do it now. Two more grenades sail through the window and erupt as Francine and Amanda pull the coffee table off the trap door. Amanda drops through as Francine rushes back to one of the windows. Marcy Webster rakes one side of the cabin with the Uzi as smoke billows from the building. Francine holding a kerchief to her mouth because of the smoke returns fire outside the window. She turns looking back to the uh, where the flames grow higher, creeping toward the gas heater. And then now Falcon rakes the side of the cabin with his Uzi, then reacts to flashing headlights. Lee's Corvette slides to a stop at the side of the road. As Lee dives out of his car, a volley of bullets blows uh, out the windshield. Lee crouches behind the car and returns fire. Reacting to Lee's fire, then to Francine's shots from the cabin, he runs back to the truck, to their truck. Webster, this is Falcon, Webster, already at the wheel, roars off, spewing gravel as Falcon jumps in, firing his Uzi out the window as they drive away. Angle on Lee as he gets a couple more shots off at the departing truck, then rushes toward the flaming cabin. He gets there in time to meet Francine running out. Choking, stumbling, she almost falls into Lee's arms. Where's Amanda? She's okay. Lee starts toward the cabin, but Francine grabs him. No, the gas heater. She barely gets this out when they, they're thrown from thrown to the ground by a tremendous explosion. Lee glances back at the cabin, worried. Like, what? Wow. That's, That's so... Hard, That's a lot. <laughs> yeah, and then Francine says, she should be fine. I sent her down the trap door. And then Eagles is on the other end of the trap door. And he's, uh, you know, with the car. And, uh, and then he takes her... And uh, she's like, wait a minute, how did you know? And he, he goes, you better drive. <laughs> and then they, they head off to, that, uh, off to that concrete place. Now, Francine wasn't shot in this version. She almost gets blown to bits, but she wasn't uh, shot in it. So a little different. And then now this is where in the script where Amanda's um, really laying it on thick to Eagles. She says, you're going to kill me too. He goes, I prefer to think of it as a conclusive corrective action. In the five years of our existence, we've terminated over a dozen of uh, the other side's worst killers, and now we'll have lost two of our own, six to one, not a bad ratio in my book. And she goes, what about your grandchildren? As he reacts, she goes, I saw pictures of them on your desk. Is one of their lives worth six from the other side? And Eagle says, that's enough, Mrs. King. And Webster and Falcon come through the door in the background, and Amanda says, is one of them worth 50? And he says, Mrs. King is talking too much. Please gag her. And she goes, do you really oh think, God. she goes, oh. do you really think they're proud of you if they knew, they'd be proud of you if they knew what you're doing? What you're, uh, what about your son? Would he, and then Falcon gags and muffles Amanda and then stops talking. She stops talking. Man. I know it's a little more intense in the script than it is in the, 
in the actual film, film ver- version, she does, you know, say, you know, he's trying to explain it to her. He's like, we're, we're only trying to make the world a safer place. And she's like, vigilante killings aren't going to make the world a safer place. He goes, we are not outlaws. We believe in law and order. We're trying to help an imperfect system to fill the unfortunate gaps. She goes, was Lance Dorn an unfortunate gap? Is that what I am, an unfortunate gap? He goes, in the five years of our existence, we eliminated a dozen criminals, cold-blooded killers. Unfortunately, there's a price to be paid. And then that's when Webster and Falcon come. And uh, Webster's got this something that's going to knock Amanda out. And then they're going to put her in this little, like, firing kiln thing. It's like 1,800 degrees. So they're going to cook her. That whole concept is a little brutal, actually. Oh, my God. It's awful. <laughs> you're going to incinerate her. Yeah. Like, come on. If you're going to kill me, just shoot me. Like, make it over, you know? <laughs> Nothing left of her. Yeah. It's horrible. Now, Billy and, and uh, Lee are talking, <laughs> trying to talk with Shepard, but he's a real jerk. And uh, he's... He's, you know, saying he's not going to talk. And he's like, all right, Billy says, fine, one for one. You tell us where they're holding Mrs. King and I'll arrange safe transport out of the country. And then he says he wants some some folding money, $100,000. Billy's like, talk. <laughs> so they're, they, they're pretty much doing whatever they have to to get Amanda back, which is nice because in season one, they weren't, nobody was willing to lift a finger for her except Lee. So that was nice. They could have, uh, Pulled the plug on him on the way out, though. I know, right? Oh, <laughs> they should have. You're right. <laughs> they should have, I mean, that bastard. Kind of people, but, I mean, if they let him go, he's just going to go kill somebody else. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah. He's uh, gun for hire, so. Well, so now they're we're back at the concrete place, and now they're filling the, um, Webster's filling the vial with uh, whatever drug they're going to give Amanda to, to uh, knock her out. Just as they're doing that, thank goodness, uh, Lee and Billy show up at the concrete place. They have no other backup, which is kind of odd. They get in there, and it's really, I mean, I know it's a plot thing, and that's why they have to do it, but Eagles is, as they, Eagles sees them coming, instead of just running and taking off, he, like, uncuffs Amanda from the pipe and then let and then he takes off so they've because they've somehow got to get amanda loose so that she's not you know that she can come out later yeah that kind of bothered me but yeah it was like what lee's like falcon and then he starts shooting at lee so then lee's gonna have to chase after him and then and then lee runs up to amanda and he's like stay put (laughs) yeah because she listens billy gets lee grabs eagles pretty quickly and then handcuffs him to a pipe let's see how he likes it and then Lee takes after Falcon. Webster is running off and Billy goes after her. So Billy gets a hold of Webster, takes her out pretty quickly without too much uh, sweat. <laughs> As always happens, I think this is the stupidest thing. The bad guy runs out of bullets. So what does he do? He sh- throws the gun at Lee. Like that's like, oh, that, that hurt me. Right. <laughs> it's so silly. And then uh, they somehow get outside up top pretty high. And they're on kind of like a catwalk type thing. Falcon, of course, goes over to the side a little bit. And Lee's got a hold of him. And he's like, it's just so ridiculous. Like, he's like, oh, you can't let me die. You can't let me die. It's like, oh, the hell we can't, you little badass. (laughs) You're like a bad man. We can just turn the other way, man. And we don't have to worry about doing a trial. We can save the government tons of money. (laughs) Headache. So much. See, vigilante. I know. I'm. I'm joking, but no. <laughs> but the guy just being such a whiner, like you can't let me die. It's like why you let all those other people die, and you let innocent people die. Ugh. Yeah. Anyway, so the, um, they get up there, and Lee is having a hard time holding on to him, and then somehow he gets it so he can swing the guy into the dirt 
truck that they have a bunch of dirt filled up in there and uh he kind of which isn't there when they when he's first dangling from there and then all of a sudden it gets moved right underneath him <laughs> he's like you gotta help right. me you gotta help me we're on the same and side it's probably that he could like flick him i know and, and that much weight the yeah dump I truck. i know because the dump truck's over <laughs> to the side quite a fu- quite a bit but someday someday you guys need to watch the pilot of hunter oh okay because he is the police captain it's uh, Hunter Nicole's boss. Um, and it's pretty funny. Oh, it is? Um, yep. Oh, cool. I haven't, yeah. I've watched it. I used to watch it pretty regularly. Not like, you know, uh, obsessively, but I did watch it. Um, so I've seen, I've seen a good chunk of, of that show. So I'm sure I would remember it. I'm sure I've seen the, can't place I mean, it the in first there. Two, the first couple are kind of outrageous in terms of like the car chases and sure. their characters, but he plays a pretty funny character because he's kind of like this idiot police captain that all over them and making trouble. And I don't know, you'd probably appreciate it if you watched it. Yeah. I would. I know the Hunter fans out there know him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well. Oh, I'm sure. In the script, they were going, they had a shallow grave that they were going to bury Amanda in and then what use, the fuck? and then, and then put concrete over her. You know, and so you no one would what? find her for a while. The writer of this needs to chill out because he has <laughs> too much research. That's too much thought into yeah. the death of a beloved character. Yeah. He needs yeah. to go see a therapist. That's so, too much. Listen, it goes, Amanda looks quickly around for a way she, uh, she can help. She spots the chute of the cement truck only a few feet away from Webster. She kicks at it and the chute slams into her. Uh, into Webster, knocking her gun out of her hand into the shallow grave. Stunned, it takes a moment for her to recover. Meanwhile, another angle, uh, hands still tied behind her back. Amanda starts pulling various levers uh, until the cement starts sliding down the chute, covering Webster's gun before she can reach it. Making his way around, this is on Falcon now, making his way around the front of the cement truck, using it for cover, he fires off a couple shots a couple rounds, then rushes toward the back of the building. Angle on Webster, she charges off in the other direction and runs into Francine, gun pointed, no nonsense. Angle on Eagles, realizing it's over, he throws his gun down and emerges from behind the cement truck, hands over his his, uh, hands over his head as he approaches his old friend covering him. This is Billy. Eagle says it wasn't supposed to turn out this way. Billy moves next to him, put, pats him down for other weapons. And uh, Eagles continues. You understand, don't you, Billy? We were just supposed to kill the bad guys. He goes, save it, Carl, for your lawyer. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, but they were gonna they were gonna bury her. Yikes! Yeah, dark. And then so then listen. So then the conveyor belt still going and moving up alongside the building uh, to the roof. Falcon runs for it, jumps on using a basket uh, for a foothold, and then Lee is right behind him, jumping into onto a lower basket. Closer angle, Lee crawls up close to Falcon as they head up towards upwards as and has to fight off Falcon's feet as he tries to kick Lee off. Lee takes a foot in the face and momentarily loses his grip. He hangs precariously four floors up as Falcon kicks at his hand. Angle on Billy and others. Amanda grimaces in fear. Francine takes aim at Falcon. Billy says, don't, you might hit Lee. Uh, Angle on Lee and Falcon. Lee regains his grip. And Falcon tries one more desperate kick. He misses, loses his own balance, and falls five floors to the ground. So he dies. Um, Billy, running over, um, covering Falcon as 
he writhes in pain. And then Angela and Amanda, as she fiddles with more levers, finally stopping, then reversing the conveyor belt in the background, it brings Lee back to earth. Angela and Lee, as the conveyor belt brings him down, he jumps off, heads back to where Amanda and the others have, have gathered. And then he says, you're pretty good with all those levers that come naturally, or is it something you studied in school? <laughs> Lee gives Amanda oh his... God. Lee gives Amanda his best sarcastic grin as she hits another lever and Lee has to jump out of the way of the swinging cement chute. Amanda then returns her own sarcastic grin. (laughs) What the hell? So anyways, yeah. So anyways, uh, Falcon falls into the dirt in this, in the film version. And, um, and Lee's like, save your breath, Falcon. And then somehow the truck is now right below him and he drops him. He's like, don't drop me. Don't drop me. And he falls and he, his he falls right on the back of the truck that's now right below him somehow he flicks him in there in slow motion of course and then uh he goes in and then lee comes down and then amanda billy all of them billy comes out with uh falcon and excuse me with eagles and webster handcuffed and then they're getting uh falcon all collected now and then amanda comes running out of there (laughs) and uh makes sure that he's okay and then he's making sure that she's okay. He goes, how are you? She goes, I'm fine. I'm just fine. How are you? She goes, how did you find me? He said, well, I guess I made a, a deal with the devil. And then he says, I'm sure glad I did. And then they hug. Oh, it's so sweet. So yeah. Sweet. That's a sweet moment. Hey, did you know that she says that that line a minute before? Yeah, <laughs> she does. <laughs> they they, like they do that. A little. But yeah. They probably do the scene many times oh yeah well yeah we've seen them do that right we've seen it like over and over and over i'm surprised they left that in there though i know they could have edited it pretty easily so the tag now is uh amanda and she's standing in her kitchen holding up the uh dress that she got from the 60s rs place and she's like oh mother i don't know mother i feel silly and daddy's like well you didn't seem to mind Uh, wearing something like that 15 years ago and she goes mother that was 15 years ago and besides that my dress was blue with patches big patches on it and then the kids come in and they're like saying they could smell the termite gas when you obviously know they didn't have even used termite gas (laughs) (laughs) and amanda's like sweetheart i'm sure that's your imagination and then they're like where'd you get the ancient threads garage sale (laughs) she's like mother i can't do it i just can't do it The, the boys are having cookies and milk and then they head up because we got to get rid of the kids so that Amanda can go talk to Lee. And she's just standing there. And then you hear the knock at the door. How cute does he look in his little uh, 70s clothes or 60s Adorable. clothes? Adorable. <laughs> the little pants. The patches on the pants and the coat. And oh, my goodness. He's supposed to be in the script. He's supposed to be wearing a peasant shirt, which I just can't see. Oh my God. I can't see him wearing at all. <laughs> at all. And uh, so she's like, where'd you get the ancient threads? He goes, the... And she goes, "Uh uh-huh. He goes, I heard through the grapevine that you just might be needing an escort to your reunion. She goes, oh, no, I'm not going to the reunion. He goes, why not? She goes, I'm not going. He goes, Amanda, come on, let's go. We'll make the perfect couple, huh? She's like, okay, thanks. That's so cute. He goes, here, brought you something. She goes, terrific. Opens her check. She's like, tomorrow's grocery day. She goes, oh, boy. He goes, what? What's the matter? They overpay you? She goes, no, no. He goes, what? It's a day late and exactly $1 short. (laughs) 
And then so the end. Cute. That is cute. I am nominating this tag. Oh, um, okay. As the Stetson standout. Oh. Uh, specifically, I feel like Lee went above and beyond for Amanda. He's in this crazy outfit. He's going to escort her to her reunion. And then the line where he's like, hey, baby, what's happening? That's so freaking cute. So anyway, Stetson standout, second nomination for this episode. I love it. Very cute. And yeah, because you know he had to go buy those clothes. There's no way he kept those. For sure. So he had to go make an effort and go buy them and then come by. And then he's going to put himself through all the questions of how long Mm -hmm. have you known each other, all that stuff that you know he hates. So yeah, that's very, that's true. He's very, he's stepping, uh, stepping up for her, which is very nice. So in the script, the ending is just a little bit different. Like I said, (laughs) Amanda comes out staring at Lee's outfit, bell bottom jeans, peasant shirt and beads. She goes, what are you doing here? And he hands her a check. He goes, figured I dropped this off. Tomorrow is your grocery day, isn't it? She looks at the check, then back at him. She goes, why are you dressed like that? You look ridiculous. He says, I just heard through the grapevine that you might be needing an escort for your reunion. She goes, I'm not going to any reunion. He goes, you're not. Come on. We'd make the perfect couple. Look, he points at their reflections in the window. Sure enough, two cute refugees from the 60s. Amanda can't help but smile. She goes, well, maybe just this once, but I still have one problem, waving her check. He goes, don't tell me you were overpaid again. And she's shaking her head. She says, it's $4 short as they share a laugh and we fade out. A little bit different. I like the one we got. In Definitely. The I agree. I agree. But I do like how they looked at each other and like she was dressed up in it too. And they looked at each other and saw that they were a cute couple. That'd be, that would have been cute to see. But other than that, yeah, I like mm-hmm. the rest of it. Very cute. We're getting definitely into the swoony episodes now. These last few are, you know, like pretty... Uh, intense in the uh relationship side of things for sure and this is definitely. uh definitely moving us toward that so very cute it's time for Dottie's bookshelf and she had quite a few fanfics to choose from for this episode her first recommendation is high school reunion by Anne ships eo this story was written in december 2018 and has just under 3,000 words Lee was right. Those two really did make the perfect couple at her reunion. Dottie's second recommendation is called The Chance to Tell You, written by Zubin Schmali in May 2002, with a little over 5,000 words. Almost losing Amanda seems to have given Lee a reality check. Perhaps he'll finally get the chance to tell Amanda how he really feels about her. Be sure to check these stories out. We'll provide links on our website at mkcpodcast.com in the show notes, or you can also find them on fanfiction.net. It's time for videos from the vault that we found relating to this episode. Although I am a strong supporter of strong women, I am also a sucker for rescue storylines. I don't know what it is, but it's true. So based on that theme, the first video is based on the song, I Come For You by Nickelback. Although created by Love SNK for season four, this video is perfect for this episode. Lee has always been there for Amanda, but in this case, we can see how much he loves her and how much it would hurt to lose her. The second video is a serious video and a little sad, but I honestly think it reflects the themes in this episode. I mean, Amanda's about to be burned in an oven by people from her own agency. It also speaks to Amanda's seriousness on these issues with Lee at the end of the episode. The song is Mad World by Michael Andrews. The song was originally written and sung by Tears for Fears, which is one of my favorite 80s band, and the video was created by Moxie's SNK Bids. The third video is a bonus video, and it puts together clips of all the times Amanda was rescued by Lee. The video is put together by Tessa Kendall McKenzie, 
and is set to the song Rescue Me by Fontella Bass. So we hope we enjoy these videos, which can be found on YouTube. We have also provided the links on our website at mkcpodcast.com. That does it for this episode of Mrs. King's Chronicles. Thanks for spending some time with us. We hope you'll join us next time for some Philly cheesesteaks with extra onions as we delve through Millicent's diary in Dead Men Leave No Trails. Bye. 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 Bye.